And welcome back to another episode of Ready Comics Roll. Don't forget if you enjoy what you're hearing, to like, share, and subscribe. I'm Mike, and I'm gonna die thrice. All the lies were lies. Final Fantasy VII Remake didn't release this E3. I'm John. You're a bunch of degenerates. I'm Anthony. And joining us is special guest... Hi, I'm Alex. I am the 39th patriarch of the Tojo clan. How are you, how are you guys doing, man? Like, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. Now, so, as we can kind of come across with uh, what we were saying in our intros, we are uh, just outside the well what's it this is the this is the last little bit of e3 yeah we're the, today's the last day or was that yesterday it was yesterday yes it was yesterday so yeah we're we're just at the ending of e3 and with everything that kind of came up in e3 the type of things that uh we anticipated we saw we got we kind we came, of we saw we conquered yeah <laughs> if you will i was thinking more came we saw we whelmed we whelmed. Uh, okay, at oh, some man. points. Yeah, there you go. Oh, the whelming. Oh, no, I was happy. I, actually, for most of it, I was happy. Well, like, that, that's the thing. I, like it's, not the... That, it's not that I wasn't happy about it. It was that it didn't do anything spectacular for me. I mean, I was really happy to see the Shadows Die. I'll call bullshit on some of that. I was really happy to see the Shadows Die Twice trailer. I was really happy to see Ghost of Tsushima. And there's a, there's a few other like hidden treasures in throughout E3, but there was nothing like there was no one thing that was like oh my god this is finally happening yay which is really surprising because you're also like the person that like gives any movie you see like a ten out of ten at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I, I like say, movies. That's cinematic art. For bro. for a person who says he is whelmed through most of this, you're, you're for this you're actually like underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Like I, but here's the thing though, guys. Like consider the kind of year we got in 2017, right? Like, do we did we really think 2019 and 2019 was gonna beat that? I mean. I don't think so. I mean, just just from the trailer for Last of Us Two, I, I which is probably the one thing that actually like it was the one thing that gave me feelings this entire E three. Like, was it tingly feelings in your pants? <laughs> no, no, and it wasn't from the it wasn't from the kiss scene. Um, but the, oh, the, no, the, I was just talking about how it was a beautiful, seamless work of art. Oh well, there's wow, gosh. I just assume that's where John was taking it. Don't wow. don't judge me. Um, but it it was so beautiful. Like th- it was one of those things. Like just the way of the like the way they moved in that game. It's so naughty dog. Well, like you I- you'd see that stuff in in the Uncharted games where like Nathan Drake would be on a boat and the boat would start to sway and he would actually catch himself. Like that's things that you only see in Naughty Dog games. Well, I, I don't want to go too far into Last of Us just yet. I, I, I still kind of want to continue the conversation of uh, kind of the... E3 the, in general. E3 in general. Kind I'm of just like, saying that was my peak of yeah, E3. <laughs> oh, wow. But then, then you kind of uh, felt what a lot of people did from the Sony exhibit. So <laughs> Peaked um, right from the vet. Get <laughs> yeah. But it, I, I still kind of want to go over the emotions and kind of this spectrum of uh, what E3 was in its anticipation. Um, well, you know what the most surprising thing about E3? It was the fact that Xbox got to show off most of everything. Yes. Like, Microsoft got to show off 76. They got to show off... Uh, Shadows Die Twice. They got to show off most of the games that are going to be coming to every console. Right. They, they, I mean, they're, they're working on getting more ex- exclusivity, but it was really weird to see the fact that, like, yeah, they had the first showing, 
mm-hmm. the first major, like the first console showing, they got to show pretty much everything off. Well, that's because okay. Sony took pity on them. And I was going to say, so here, here's the thing. When it comes down to it, do you remember? Okay, obviously, Mike, you really remember that Xbox is the one who kind of showed it. I didn't care that Xbox showed it. I didn't care. 76? Well, no, no, not, not, not what was shown. Oh. I didn't care that Xbox showed it. No, to me, it, it I remembered it only because I thought that was exactly. kind of a, a like a random like a random thing for them. But that's to do. my point is the fact that just because they, like it's basically that guy at work who works really hard, and then you're like, well, if you're gonna do that, you might as well do my work too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know with, I mean? With, like with Sony got out of jail free with with the fact that hey, Xbox. You guys want to show all that off, but it's cross-platform. Anyone can get it. Go for it, brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people like really gave Microsoft a lot of credit, especially for the press conference, because they really had to focus on the games. Because if you guys remember, like the previous press conferences and stuff, Microsoft has come under fire for not focusing on the games, right? Like, yeah, right. if you remember, like 2013, it was all about Connect and how that's going to revolutionize Xbox One and cloud computing. Everybody remember that? That was a big deal, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> and then now, literally, like they just kind of took, you know, took it to stage and be like, all right, well, only 18 of this is actually exclusive to Xbox One, but we got games, right? And and yeah. there's not, they're not small games, right? Like, you know, Devil May Cry Five. Definitely a huge freaking announcement right then and there, right? Like it's it's crazy. Side note: Can we please stop doing anything with Devil May Cry? Really? <laughs> Why? I'm I'm so done with that series. Well, okay, I'm just we can we can to, elaborate on that later. But to be to uh, be fair, this was this was actually the best showing we've had from a a, a Devil May Cry main entry in a while. Yes. But, Agreed. I my whole thing is uh, to to kind of piggyback off of what Alex said though is don't you feel like this year there was a lot of kind of concentrating on uh, the 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 games itself or how Sony liked to put it uh, painting that uh, emotion and adventure along the game because it, there there wasn't I didn't see or at least I don't remember a lot of things that had to do with like the exterior equipment. Well, you want you want me to give the dirty reason why? Because we're in the middle of them trying to launch a new system in the next few years? Yeah, yes. pretty oh, much. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's literally they don't have any new technology to show off. So it's this year is all about the game. So therefore and it was a better E3. It, yes, it was. And that's the thing. I think that every single time we have one of these game-centric E3s, it's the better E3s. It's it's the better of these conferences. Um, when we get when we get some to the some of these other tech conferences that are going to be happening later on in the year, um, and right before the end of the year, like when we get to BlizzCon, I'm psyched for BlizzCon this year because it's going to be one of, it's going to be what E3 was, but just about the, the next step of Diablo, the next step of, um, Heroes of the Storm, the next step of everything Blizzard. Like, and that, and that's me. I, I've been a big Blizzard fanboy. I'm a big From Software fanboy. I have, I have many fanboyisms, but you know. I think we all do. Yeah, I have a feeling that actually, like, E3, like, was kind of thin a little bit this year, just because, like, normally there's a lot more surprises, and there were surprises, but I I also have talked to a lot of people who feel strongly that a lot of people are actually holding off on their announcements for Gamescom, and I'm like, 
really? That's crazy. Because E3 used to be like the place, but now we're seeing Gamescom kind of come into its own. And TGS is kind of just languishing around. It's kind of like it used to be cool, but not anymore <laughs> kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. I'm just glad this isn't the year of Battle Royales like everybody thought it was going to be. Uh, just oh, wait. Uh, just uh, just that, wait. That, that, yeah, yeah, I'm... I, I remember I remember when the moment that it hit, wasn't they, they showed Battle Royale last Saturday or Sunday? Was it? I don't remember. I, I, oh, are you talking I, I, about for Call of Duty? Or uh, Battlefield? Or everybody else that is kind of jumping? <laughs> no, that, yeah. no, no, no. I'm talking about the game... Um, Battle Royale, or is it Royale? Are, are you talking about um, Royale with cheese? Yeah, it's I the was Royale with cheese. It's the Fortnite uh, ripoff. Well, the Fortnite. Which Fortnite ripoff at this yeah. point? Jesus. You, yeah. you haven't seen the the new one for? I think it's. I, I believe it's called Battle Royale. That, that you go around. It's just like Fortnite, but there's no building. And then um, Splatoon it, Two. Yeah. No, <laughs> then, like, if you if you go if you go through enough, then you know when you get hit and you're about to die, you turn into a chicken. Is it Royale? It's just. It's, I think it's Royale. Royale. Oh, okay. Maybe okay. yeah. Maybe it's just Royale. I don't play first person shooters. Or, oh wait, or third is it called? Shooter. Is it called Realm Royale? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's Realm Royale. Um, See, that's how much I paid attention to it. Exactly. But think, uh, just talking about battle royale type games, that's right. I, I thought that that's. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, Fallout 76 is going to have a battle royale mode because that's how Bethesda works nowadays. Wait, 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 wait! wait. Isn't Fallout 76 <laughs> just really a ro- battle royale game? I mean, there's no rules, right? I mean, it's literally like, hey, let's go freaking do this raid so we can get like the freaking codes for like the nuclear bombs and shit and bomb everybody else. Like, that sounds like a battle royale game. We to me, die in a nuclear fire. I, 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 I legitimately think that Fallout seventy six is going to be Sea of Thieves, but with slightly more objectives, and I mean slightly more See, objectives. That, that's the thing. And I, I, I'm going to be completely honest about this. I saw the trailer. <coughs> I saw I saw the trailer for or um, for Fallout seventy six, which I liked. I've always liked the concept of Fallout games and stuff you like know, that. Fallout um, is a beautiful setting. It, it, like, as far as things go, it is one of the best settings out there. Right. And I've always, I, I've always been on that side, and I was so happy when Bethesda revived it with Fallout Three. But Fallout Four was such a far cry from what Fallout, yeah. from what Fallout is. Well, like, what, what I'm specifically saying though is the fact that I got to see the trailer. I I liked it. I really enjoyed it. This is going to be probably something that I actually will will pick up, uh, even though I don't really go for a lot of like MMOs. But you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll pick it's up something. The, I, it's MMO light. It's no yeah. worse. It's no. It's no. It's no more players mm, than you would see in like the Division or right. or Sea of Thieves or. In some cases, in Monster Hunter, when they did like the the big where you fought the giants, yeah. they, they they did big raids. Oh well, yeah, I'm telling you right now, it's probably going to be 32 to 64 people to a server. Because even as well, um, they said when they were announcing the game, this is only a, roughly about 20 years after the bombs dropped, and you right. everybody, all the players are going to be vault dwellers. So you're not going to see like a whole bunch of people running around, especially yeah. when you're playing in a map that is four times the size. Of mm-hmm. Fallout Four, which is already a huge map. Well, and that's I what mean, I'm saying. Like, it I mean, I'm immediately like going to put on raider armor and just become a raider and just murder people. That's, I still need to go in and do. do my research because I didn't see the actual like press release, like when they were actually speaking about the game. I only got to see the trailer. So oh. my impression of the trailer itself is 
awesome, still fun Fallout thing. Uh, I love base building. That's my thing because I love like RTSs and stuff like that. But then, okay, cool. This is a game that I can actually get behind in joining up with a group of my friends and going out into raids and fighting a Deathclaw. Hey, John, you can always watch our breakdown on our channel. It's going to be going up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, man, like where I'm coming from with this is that we're all talking about like how, ooh, it's a large map, four times the size of like freaking, you know, like any Fallout before it. What happens in day one when all 16 just come out of the same bolt? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean if you're, if everybody comes out literally at the same time, which is like, and it would be an anomaly if we want to be serious here. Then yeah, I can totally see there being kind of like a brawl from the beginning because you're going to have the twelve year old shitlords and you're going to have the assholes. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say it, it's probably going to have to do something with like those um, intermediate like starting areas, like build your character, go into this, and then after you get past a certain point, it'll probably have that um, enter the real world type of thing without explicitly saying enter the real world. My, my thing is mm-hmm. this: is the is the vault itself going to be instanced from the rest of the world? Because if that's the case, it, it feels it, like it, it, it feels disingenuous almost at that point. Because then it's like, you know, you wake up and you're not surrounded by any of the, like you wake up late for, like you wake up after a party or something happened. Yeah. And you're like, oh, everybody's, everybody's gone. I was drunk as balls last night. Now I'm going to stumble out into the sun again for the first time in, you know, 20 some odd years. So basically right. what you're trying to say is that Fallout 76 is really just a metaphor for the walk of shame, right? It, yes. it, it's it's hangover Absolutely. part four. No, 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 no. <laughs> I like the walk of shame. I want to find out when you walk outside what thing was fucking you back in there. <laughs> because something outside in that world is going to fuck you. And, and the first thing is going to be the death claw. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's crazy too is because the fact that, again, this takes place only 20 years after the, the Fallout the nuclear fallout is still going to be great. So you're going to see a lot crazier mutations. You're going to see a lot more monsters that more likely kind of died out because of how heavily mutated they are. Right. The, the survival of the fittest hasn't fully knocked out yet. Yeah. My, my thing is this. How long is it going to take for us to just blanket and, uh, what is it, West Virginia with nuclear missiles all so, over again. <laughs> I actually have an answer to this because uh, I watched uh, Danny O'Dwyer's No Clip documentary on um, making a Fallout 76. And actually, the nuclear, you know, this, you know, the nuclear missiles and all that stuff, that's actually the end game. So this isn't something that you could just walk out and be like, I'm going to go blow up some freaking, you know, monuments and shit. Like, it, it takes a considerable amount of time to actually collect all the keys and actually activate nuclear bombs. But to me, like, the most interesting thing is this isn't just, you know, the way that they portrayed it at the Bethesda press conference is like, well, the only reason why you're going to want to, like, use a nuclear bomb is to bomb somebody else you hate. Basically, like, when you nuke something, it actually creates new resources, new crafting materials. So yeah. there is a side benefit to actually bombing certain places. And to me, that that's actually really interesting that... You know, you have to work really hard to get to that point. It, this isn't just like, hey, there's one key. Let's flip the switch and boom. It, it, this isn't like a megaton situation in Fallout 3. No, no absolutely <laughs> right. not. And I'm glad you pointed that out because that's exactly what I was going to say is the whole thing with the nukes is, one, people greatly overestimate 12-year-old shitlord's ability to, for one, their attention span, or also just to be able to work together cohesively enough to combine the different pieces to create that new code to launch it. But like you pointed out, there's really the main reason why we want to do the the nukes and why there's the greater emphasis of the nukes is not just to troll people, but you kind of nuke an area, regardless of whether it's somebody's outpost or not, but exactly just what you said. There's going to be rare materials. There's going to be 
rare creatures such as like glowing death claws or some other crazy monsters we haven't even seen yet. The idea mm-hmm. is it kind of creates a more difficult, more rewarding kind of instance. I was going to say, I'm all in for, um, I know it probably isn't going to get to the point of kind of altering the the landscape itself, because it's probably going to be one of those things that they always do. You nuke an area, some items will pop up or something like that, but obviously it's going to respawn to how the area should look. But for me, I'm always one of those type of people that, hey, if you can kind of alter the actual landscape. And I know a beautiful point about this game is the ability to finally build anywhere. So you can build on top of a a giant canyon or something like that because you found like the little camping spot for for your settlement in a sense. Um, But having those nukes and stuff like that to respawn the resources... Yeah, that, that's always a benefit. And the thing is, though, too, with with Fallout, you're always going to be kind of traveling around to try to raid some shit anyways. So it, it's it, hopefully that it's a good device to make sure that the world constantly kind of gens or regens what you need. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm only worried about encumbrance in this one at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you also got to remember, too, is they've added some old Fallout goodies back into this, such as item degradation. Yeah. So yeah. you also, and there's also the whole uh, survival aspect. You're going to have to eat. You're going to have to hydrate. Um, your stuff's going to wear down. So you're going to have to go and build it back up again. So some features that people praise, you know, New Vegas for. These are features that are also coming back into Fallout 76. Right. Yeah. Well, my thing is this, and, and my only reason for really giving 76 a hard time is the fact that. I I I always worry as somebody who played the division. That it's just going to become the division, <laughs> like the division dark zone. You mean? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, like there, and this is the thing. Like there, there's these talks of like, oh yeah, you can, you 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 play with you know three other people, so a group of four, and you can do these larger events by helping out other groups. But then what's to stop those groups from just? Right before the treasure room turning on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sea of Thieves. No. I mean, that's, it's, it's very common to have yeah, I, I, I only too, say that but... because Sea of Thieves nowadays, uh, you know, you have the That's ability. what happens. When, when you agree to go get Megalodon, um, you know, the giant shark, uh, that now they can just kind of go, hey, we killed the shark. I'm going to kill you now. And then, try, yeah. you know, that whole Well, thing. this is, this is going to be the opposite of, or the, the reverse way of how Sea of Thieves work. Instead of killing them after, you have to kill them right before. <laughs> because the thing is, is once something's looted, it's now tied to that character. Right. So it, that's the, the big thing about Fallout 76. So you're not going to get griefed by people looting you. You're going to get griefed by not being able to collect the loot. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, because me, I, I, I will definitely freaking get uh, kind of annoyed to shit the fact that I suck at this game and then someone's just going to take all my shit after I've done something. Yeah. So, But, I mean, there, there is a good portion. There, of- there, 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 there are things to be worried about. There are things systematically that I'm just like, I'm going to be concerned for until Bethesda figures out how to do this. Well, yeah, because this is not going to be Fallout Rust like a lot of people think. As mm-hmm. uh, I thought I would even say during the presentation is that there's not going to be a loss of progression. Death does not mean the loss of anything. No. So I think that's really going to help because that's a major issue for... Some of the older games, such as like Daisy and stuff like that, or or Rust, for instance, that people just really got tired of. Because then you have those people that are griefers, where you might just have a stroke of bad luck, 
to where then you lose everything you got to start over again. And that, that, that really just is, it takes the wind right out of your sails, just like John pointed out. But so here's here's a good question, though, because obviously Mike has played his concerns and stuff like that. I've already gone on record saying this is a game that actually I would probably or it's more than likely that I would probably pick this up. Okay, I'm moving. I'm inching ever toward more picking this game up. Okay, probably Fallout. I'm going to get it. Exactly. Probably for PC. So, Mike, you would get it. What about what about you two? Anthony, Alex? PS4 because I still have a potato for a computer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually probably getting the special edition too, just for so I can get the winterized helmet for cosplay purposes. I was gonna oh. say I know one person who has already pre-ordered that. Oh, who? Wow, Tim. Oh, of course, yeah, Tim. Tim, of, of course. course, he is like the biggest Fallout fan that I know. But Alex, what about you? Have, are you thinking about it? Not thinking about it? Good to be pass. Quite honest, yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, like you know, the whole mindset that this is going to be like the division dark zone is the thing that's worrying me the most. And <laughs> you know, and and the biggest deal to me about this game is that it, it they they're coming into this project not really having a clear roadmap of what the future of seventy six is going to be. They announced it, which is great. You know, mm. and, but this isn't going to be like a one and done situation like Fallout 4 or Fallout 3 or any of the previous games that Bethesda's made. This is a live service. You need to give us a roadmap of what's to come. You know, yeah. like that's cool that you got the end game for like the nuclear war and shit like that, but what's next, right? Like you're, you, you say this is a live game, but there's nothing in place to tell us what's coming after its release to sustain the community, right? Right. And, and also the griefing part of it, I feel like that's actually a valid concern because like while I've seen Danny O'Dwyer's no clip documentary and how he says that there's a lot of, you know, sliders and stuff that can kind of really help control the griefing and stuff like that. Like how well can you pivot and can you pivot pa- fast, especially if you need to fix something, right? Like another you know division problem that i want to bring up is you know like you guys remember the time when everybody had to freaking line up in front of a computer they had to all use one by one and stuff like i don't want that in my game you know like there's just so many questions as far as this whole new live service is concerned that i can't just pull the trigger right away and you know trust that bethesda's gonna get it right the first time and you 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 brought up a very good point my my whole thing is that that's why i feel like i'm inching closer and closer to it but not i I don't know if i'm 100 percent sold right and that's also my thing because i'm very concerned about it because of what happened with elder scrolls online elder scrolls online was a disaster in the beginning Mm -hmm. it was it was a hotel fire on top of a orphanage fire on (laughs) Like, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. On top of a dumpster fire. It was bad. Why don't you pop? You just yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, before we continue on uh, to the next thing, just real quick, we're just kind of address your, your concerns, Alex. So, like, the first thing we mentioned, too, about the whole griefing thing is, again, I guess it really comes down to at the beginning, I could kind of see that. But again, just because of the amount of people per server and the sheer size of it, I don't think griefing is going to be as common as people think. And two, uh, Todd Howard in another interview during E3 actually announced that they are going to have private servers. Not at launch, but they're already saying that months after the fact that is something they're going to add. So you can get that solo or even multiplayer experience with friends without having to worry about that. Yeah, I mean, those are those are great solutions, but like, you know, isn't the point of having a live game is to kind of bring the community together as well? So it's kind of exactly. antithetical for like them to be like, well, if you're getting griefed a lot, here's a private server so you can silo yourself away from the rest of the community. I'm like, wait a second, then why is this even a freaking live game to begin with? If you're just going to play with yourself or 
you know, a couple of people, you know, it's, it's a Gay. weird choice. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, because you can't control the fact that people suck, Alex. <laughs> I, I understand that, but you know, there are other solutions to that. And again, like while you've addressed the biggest those, one, uh, just not doing a live game. Listen, right, listen, there's there's one, here, right? how about this? How about this? I just say that we bring um, a very cool aspect of um, Sea of Thieves to Fallout 76. Whenever someone has to grief, you are allowed to get drunk, puke in a bucket, and throw it on someone. And with that being said, I actually think that we can transition to the next post-apocalyptic game. <laughs> which is which was your dick i had a whole point about them adding in the covenant system from dark souls no, to no, 76 no, come no, on no 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 i i think because we're already on this post-apocalyptic train we should talk about what really counts what is beautiful what everyone Last was of like us? no 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 uh, not, not yet two? uh control resident evil oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wait that's not post-apocalyptic well, it, no zombies you know what I mean? I mean, you you. That's look the at beginning the, of the apocalypse. It is it's okay. The beginning. So I mis misquoted slightly. Te- it has to do with the apocalypse. That's what matters. Okay. Well, there goes <laughs> people dying. dying. Uh, yeah, people dying. Zombies made. We're going back to Raccoon City. You know what I mean? Which I am exclusively excited for. That, that exclusively, exclusively, you can't be exclusively. <laughs> We're excited too. But Fuck you. I was yeah. gonna say. <laughs> I, I'm the only one allowed to be excited. I think a lot wow. of people are actually really excited about this. So I don't know if exclusivity <laughs> is going to work on this. This might okay. be cross-platform for Damn other it. people. All right. No. <laughs> but okay, I have to say this: when when it comes to Capcom games, yeah. As many hours as I have put into Street Fighter, no Marvel versus Capcom, or Sun. Marvel versus Capcom, or even Mega Man. Oh, whoa. I have put in more hours in Resident Evil oh. Two, Mega than Man, 11, any of those other series. Mega Man Eleven, just that one like iteration of Resident Evil. Resident Mega Evil Man Two was one of my favorite games of all time. I don't care. Me and Mega my Man cousin 11. David used to play the shit out of that game, and I give no shits, John. Resident Evil 2 was by far the best Resident Evil, and I am that is the one thing that was like, oh my god, I'm actually overwhelmed for five seconds with E3. Because that was one thing I was not expecting. Yeah, I, I, I was not expecting it. a remake of Resident I Evil I didn't 2. see that one coming. You weren't? No, it, you know what? Maybe it's because I was a little bit... Um, I, maybe it's because I haven't paid attention to Capcom? Yeah. <laughs> I, I might have... I, I might have been a little bit disconnected to the point where when it actually came on, it kind of – I was like, holy shit. Like I, I immediately recognized it and everything like yeah. that. But I, for one, did not know that this was coming back out. Interesting. So. Yeah, because yeah. they, they announced this like about five years ago or something like that. They, they even That's had like the a problem mi- five years ago. It, it's it's the joke. Do you understand that I've been <laughs> oh, hearing that, the, okay. this, that I've been hearing about fucking Final Fantasy VII remake coming back out for forty seven years? I mean, <laughs> it's a Tetsuya Nomura project. You can expect it to take like ten years or something yeah. like that. <laughs> no, and I remember. I actually remember the five years ago them talking about it, and that was on PS. Three's end cycle. They were like, "Oh yes, for 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 the next generation console, we are planning on doing a re-release of Resident Evil 2. And then you had the group of people that were actually doing their own independent remake of uh, Resident Evil Two until that they I know up, about. Yeah, yeah, which that got like a cease and desist. But thankfully, those people were absorbed into the team that, that worked on this uh, actual remake of Resident Evil Two. Oh, yeah. good story. Yeah, just wish more like developers do that, you know, like, hey, they're already working on something they're really familiar with. Just freaking hire them and, you know, call it a day, you know? Yeah, yeah instead of I just mean, cease just and desist and being dicks about it and then 
killing a project everybody wants. Exactly. You're not doing anything I mean, with it. You're, you're not going to worry about them kind of trying to do any kind of um, creative uh, lawsuit on you because it's your intellectual property. But you can absorb them into it, freaking get them paid. Either that or just always work on Firaxis projects because Firaxis never, never, ever sues anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just don't care. Right. But, I mean, how how did you – so what were what were your feelings behind it when it came up? Like how, how psyched or not psyched were you when they finally said – and released that This trailer? is true. Yeah, it's my reaction to it was actually like elated. Like I really was like, you know, expecting it to be released, you know, actually maybe within a year or two. I didn't expect it to be releasing in January for crying out loud. I was like, holy shit. And also like, you know, I the more that I read into this project, the more that I realized like, okay, a lot of this technology was already around, right? Like the engine that's powering it is the Resident Evil 7 engine, which is actually powering the new Devil May Cry as well, which I'm like, wow, that Resident Evil engine is just going all over the place but then you know what's that (laughs) i said it's a whore (laughs) no kidding right it's just getting around yeah like you know but when the graphics like they they showed it at the sony press conference i was like holy shit like this is when they when they said that they were gonna do like a remake to the same degree as they did the you know they made a remake for like resident evil one i mean i just was I didn't know what to expect. I literally was like speechless the whole time they were showing the demo. In fact, I actually went so far that I watched a full 20 minute gameplay reveal of it, like on some site and stuff and watched it from beginning to end. I was like, okay, yeah, this is, I have to get this game now. I have to. Yeah. I think they took it to a whole nother level than what they even did with the remake of Resident Evil 1. Well, and, and that's the big thing. They they actually changed around some of the, like, spawn locations of certain monsters. They changed around some of the ways that, it, it, like, the events work out to yep. where you, you, even if you knew this game, like I did, like, the back of your freaking hand, um... Like I knew when I was gonna walk out onto a, onto a trellis and be attacked by ravens or crows mm. or whatever they were, I like I, I or if I went into that same trellis and got attacked by a licker, I knew that was gonna happen because I had played the game so many times. This is gonna be a new experience. Yeah, it, it does it, in it, a familiar world, in a in a very familiar setting. And the thing is that they did nothing to really change the story elements. Uh, they're keeping in line with what they had already added to two with the the little girl whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head, but um, yeah, so I mean Sherry Burton, yeah, yeah, and and really like you know that's what they did with the first remake as well, right? Like it looks familiar, even the camera angles, but the entire gameplay loop and the way that you go around Spencer Mansion was completely different from where you know, where you would expect it to be. Like all, there's like five different keys now for like the same freaking key that you would normally have. <laughs> the master yeah. of unlocking can't unlock everything anymore and makes a lot more sense. So, you know, it's, it's does the it, natural progression. It, I, I mean, it, it, it looks a lot further along than the Dark Souls 1 remaster, <laughs> oh, which yeah. is actually already out, which is sad. That is one of, that is one of the things that I was very happy to hear about and very happy to see, especially. Aside from that, like, I was kind of lost. I don't know. Well, I, I was going to say though, I, I don't think I was lost in it. I mean, it's it's. Are you talking about the fact 
for the game or direction? Because no, I'm, I mean very... with E3, just in general. Oh, okay. The direction of <laughs> like, E3. We, or... we, we have now discussed the two things that E3 I actually started to care about, and at this point it's where I, this is oh, where the, my the, focus oh. got lost. So I just want everyone to know who's listening. Uh, this is where Mike is actually going to exit the conversation. You won't hear from him for the rest of <laughs> Because apparently these were the two things that he gave a shit about, and he's done. Well, there's I'm also literally watching him pull out his... Uh... No, 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 you don't understand. Let me paint you a picture. I'm pulling out my earplug. He's, he's pulling out his earplug. He's putting his chair away, and he's walking out the house. <laughs> I just want you to know that. But it, I was going to ask, though, this whole wave of, like remastering remaking games i know we've kind of talked about this with revamps and reworks and reboots and stuff like that but these are these are some really iconic games and even though people are really clamoring for them i mean can we just get castlevania symphony of the night remade like tomorrow yeah (laughs) konami please i for one don't mind um just replaying that game yeah like i I (laughs) play back i play back classic games all the time so for me I'm your sucker. I'm your person that literally enjoys that nostalgia of playing that old game. And if you're going to do something like they're directing in the new Resident Evil, where it's a new experience in a familiar world, you're familiar with the story, but things are going to play out so you have other twists and turns, to me, that's a perfect balance of someone wanting it to come back and then still experiencing something new. Right. I, and I I'm totally the sucker agree. if you want to re-release it on multiple consoles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to add to this because no one has actually brought this up. Did anybody notice, like, this character that kind of looks like Fong from Street Fighter V in the trailer? Yes, I did catch that. Yeah. Do you guys think that that's, like, the the version of Nemesis in Resident Evil 2? They're just kind of slipping it in there somehow and be like, right, hey. They're kind of changing. I could, their, I could see them doing that. I yeah. could see them doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hooded dude, little hat, be like, hey, I'm the new no. nemesis, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> and maybe like this is why this is how he basically gets turned into the nemesis, right? Like maybe some weird shit happens to him, his face gets blown off or something, there's another face underneath. I don't know, man. Like exactly. I need to play the game. This is this is the opportunity for them to kind of give more backstory to something that you may be familiar with, you may know and go, listen, I understand the Nemesis project. I understand kind of like the genetic composition of what this thing is supposed to be. But do you really know Nemesis before he was Nemesis? Mm-hmm. And this is a good chance for it. This is Absolutely. everyone wants what uh, this is why I was saying before uh, with like Final Fantasy seven. Final Fantasy VII was so well-received back in the day and everything like that that people clamored for more. That's the reason why it's one of the only Final Fantasies that has its other spinoffs and other games and, uh, you know, comics and, and novellas and stuff like that, that that really expand the universe. People want that. They want to feel this whole complete universe. They want to feel enveloped in it. I'm sorry. When you said novellas, I, my mind immediately went to Spanish novellas. And so I decide, I just thought of like the scenario where like everybody is like in CG in Final Fantasy VII and speaking in Spanish somehow. It, yes, it happens. <laughs> por Go que tifa. Por que tifa. No, por que? El baño. Why? Por que moi? <laughs> <laughs> but it is great. they do they have all these novels novellas and everything like that that, that that it has with it so there you go i know a little bit of spanish <laughs> nice so yes, to I love tacos. 
to the uh, <laughs> next game that's actually post-apocalyptic and is just complete and other garbage. You got to rub it in my face that I fucked that up, huh? <laughs> what an ass. We, we have to talk about Anthem. Anthem okay. is not really... Is that really post-apocalyptic? Yes, it is. The story actually does take place after a cataclysmic event that's basically enveloping that world. You, wait, that wait, you're wait, basically really? struggling to survive. I... I I, I, I didn't guess. hear that. I didn't hear that at all. I, I, all I heard was that basically, like, there's a bunch of tools that the gods left. They left it yes. there, and there's a war happening between the. And people I understand who... that yeah. the anthem of creation that the enemy is trying to utilize may yes. cause an apocalyptic event, but I didn't yes. get it as a. This is a post-apocalyptic world. Yes, and that's kind of like the whole point is we're trying to stop the Dominion from actually getting the Anthem of Creation and, and, and you know, basically like, you know, making it into a weapon, essentially. Exactly. And, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's obviously Halo Mark II or Mark III, <laughs> right? It's Halo Mark III May, yeah, at I this don't, point in time. Because you have Halo, Halo, Destiny, and the thing that apparently everyone is starting Lost to player. say is going to oh, – okay, so Halo Mark IV – so, <laughs> so you have Halo and Destiny, and then how all the the Destiny players are going to leave Destiny and go towards Anthem. See the prop. I don't. I don't think that's accurate because the the game doesn't even control like a traditional shooter at all. Like it actually controls like you're piloting. Well, more like Iron Man, really, because like somebody actually posted an interesting um you know tweet the other day where. He kind of leaked like some of the control schemes for it where, yeah. you know, I think you click the left thumbstick to kind of like, you know, be able to just, you know, shoot your uh, javelin up in the air. And then you press, you click the R3 button in order to kind of just, you know, hover about. And I was like, it, there's, there's a remarkably increased, you know, amount of verticality here that most shooters just don't actually have, especially with, with regards to controls. And also like when Bioware was talking about how, you know, a lot more of the, le- the the world is actually more vertical. That's when I kind of thought, like, wait a second. This is not going to be just, like, a run-and-gun shooter where you're trying to get from point A to point B. And especially with the kinds of machines that you're piloting, like, this is not going to be that game. No, and, and I agree with you. I, I make that statement as the fact that I've actually seen quite a bit of people, whether it be on uh, Twitch, whether it be on Reddit, whether it be on wherever, and that, that's that's what people are saying. That that's the mm-hmm. funny that's the funny joke about it is the fact that people are actually saying. And now again, I'm not a first person shooter type of player, right. um, and I don't play Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, though, is you hear people being like so this is going to be the game that replaces destiny huh it's just like <laughs> but but the problem is though is like does destiny I, I i was about to say a bad statement does destiny really be need to be replaced yes, yes it does yeah because there's so much wrong with destiny even with the fact that they're going to be changing a lot coming up soon i don't agree that anything really overtakes the other except for the fact that everyone has a short attention span and the next call of duty will replace destiny it doesn't even matter <laughs> you know nope. The way that I phrase it on our podcast and stuff is that this is quite potentially the one shared world shooter that will get things right. Because mm. I looked at the Division 2 and I'm like, okay, so you're basically making the Division 2 what people were expecting the, Desti- uh, the Division 1 to be. Great. Okay. 
that's but you need to do more than that this is the sequel right <laughs> you know right and, then, yeah. and, in, and you look at other games right like destiny 2 is like destiny is in the situation where like we're gonna fix it don't don't worry guys this is you know like until of course destiny 3 happens and the cycle continues it's like the sonic cycle where you know people proclaim they signed the hedgehog is back and then sega just kills him again um, well, I mean, that's you know, really what happened with Destiny 1, too, if you, if you remember. They were like, yeah. okay, you know, a lot of the issues Destiny 1, we're going to fix this. You know, we got expansions right. coming out. We're going to be doing all this stuff. And then what happened? By, you know, we by got the Destiny time we got to the last expansion, they finally had a real game. Exactly. Well, no, we got Destiny 2 before we even pretty much got to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, that's, that's, that's I think that's the point Alex was trying to make is this cycle of crap that the Destiny franchise and the Destiny's creators kind of do before something else, you know, is shiny and players go to it. Exactly. And the thing is, you know, the like BioWare has been really into the community lately. Like I actually visit the Anthem subreddit quite a bit and their community management is always asking people questions, making sure like even before when they said like that there weren't going to be any sort of microtransactions except for cosmetics and stuff like like if you've been reading that subreddit, you would know that BioWare has been making sure that ev- like they know what the community actually wants from their game. And the thing the shit, they're actually listening for once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, of course, K- Casey Hudson, who is, I'm like a huge fan of his games because, I mean, he worked on Knights of the Old Republic. He made the, all of the Mass Effect universe. So it's, you know, there's a big deal with him leaving Microsoft, leaving HoloLens behind, good riddance, <laughs> and back into Bioware to basically handle you know, like Anthem again, because this was the project that he left Microsoft, you know, that he left Bioware to go to Microsoft for. Like, it was literally in its infancy in 2012. And then, of course, now he's back. He has, you know, free reign on how, you know, how this is going to develop. But long story short, like, I think the thing that I really like about Anthem is that none of the story is actually going to be locked behind any sort of paywalls. It's going to be free updates moving forward. And I'm actually seeing a continuous trend in the video game industry as of late to actually charge more for cosmetics. Like we're talking like $10, $15 per one cosmetic item and not charging for content. And I actually think that is a trend that we need to continue seeing. Like the division is a great example, right? I think they're going to do that model where cosmetics are paid and, you know, just free content moving forward. Like, Really, if if you want to go that route, I think there's a lot to you know there's a there's a lot to look at there. I still know? dislike that. I still find that to be kind of garbage. But I mean, if we're talking about the lesser of all evils, I will I will accept that. Yeah, I mean, at least I mean, that's better than the alternative. Well, exactly. The thing is, is with the with the at least with the cosmetics, at least with the you know what you're buying cosmetics. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. It's not. It's not know, the it, chance. It's nothing. It's what you wanted. You know what you're paying for it. Exactly. So therefore, you're getting what you're paying for. Whether exactly. whether it be whatever price you have then agreed at that point in time, this is what I'm going to spend my money on and, instead of chance or this is supposed to be a completed game and it's fucking not. Yeah. yeah, and to be fair, it gives them it gives them the opportunity to remove things like you know earning the 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 pay currency from some kind of in game mechanic. No, right. so you can just remove right. that completely have... because at that point you're you're only using your money for that one thing. There's no reason to make it to where you can earn those things indiscriminately. I'd rather have both because we at least get that in mobile games. And I'm sorry, the, but if we're talking about the, mobile games, that's the reason why the monetization in mobile games. That's kind of that's kind of a problem. Yeah, I it, I think as far as you know, spending money on you know on 
these customizable items and stuff, personalization. I think this really stems from League of Legends, right? Like that's the one that really said like, hey, you can play our game for free, but if you want to be prettier than most, like for this character, then you have to, you know, chalk some real money for cosmetics and stuff. And yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a hundred percent behind that. Yeah. Hands down. I am a hundred percent behind that. Because honestly, you need to like uh, from a business standpoint. Obviously, you know, generate more funds for the business. That's what that's what it's there for. It's not just to kind of make a quick buck. You wanna you wanna get as much as you can. But at the same time, though, doing that for skins and cosmetics, you're not fucking over the player. And, and, and the interesting part about this kind of you know situation too is that you know you could see these models actually existing in other you know triple A type games. Like most recently, I actually started getting into Warframe, and that has a proven model for cosmetics. Like the yeah. game is one hundred percent free. Like I actually gotten like you know four or five Warframes within the span of like two three weeks, and I didn't pay a single dime for right. any of them. But if you, if I wanted a prettier version of it, that's, that's to say beyond changing colors, right? Cause they actually give that to you for free as well. Changing basic colors and everything, customizing everything. Um, you're talking about the primes, have, right? Yeah. They, you have that option, right? Oh, it's 10 bucks. There you go. It's really beautiful. You can design however you want. It's freaking fantastic. Hey. And Anthony, there are there are skins in Warframe outside of the primes. The primes are actually completely separate Warframes, yeah. whereas there are skin themes for each of the Warframes out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's uh, and, and here's the interesting thing too. Like, like one of the you know one one of the videos I saw and stuff like that is actually you know this actually opened my eyes to the game too. More recently, they talked about how there are people who literally were able to quit their jobs and just design cosmetics for warframe and they have their own like public community and and i feel like if you kind of embrace that and you even incorporate that into your game i mean that's like endless amount of content that you know the developers don't even need to make you know that's and again warframe is doing this right now so who's to say that nobody can apply this you know like business model to anything and actually get away with not having to charge the rest of the population, you know? Well, the thing, the other thing is, is when you make, when you make something of quality, like, I mean, Warframe is a good game. Yeah. I, I've always thought so. I, I, I've played it for a very long time and I, I, I play it less nowadays just because it, I, I don't have as much time to sink into it, but it was one of those things like I used to play Warframe a lot and I know people who would pump money into that game just because it was a good game, not, right. not because they needed to. Sometimes they would just buy things because, oh, well, I have an extra 20 bucks in my bank account that I can blow this week. Sure. Right. Throw it into Warframe. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things. Like, yeah. Warframe but, made a quality product, thus they deserve to kind of earn something from it. But back mm-hmm. to the point, as far as we're talking about Anthem, and kind of to steal something you said earlier, Mike, the, the problem I think a, a lot of people seem to have, or at least at least have been very vocal about online, is that it seems like a far cry from what Bioware is known for. Uh, we're talking, they've completely got rid of romances in general. I mean, they're, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, dialogue, they've already said, is going to be slightly branching, but it's probably going to be the m- most restricted they've done as far as that is concerned. And it, it does not feel like a personal experience as much as a lot of their previous games have been. See, like, we'll have to see a lot more in order to determine that, right? But 
you know, the one takeaway that I got from from them talking about how the story is going to be disseminated is that, you know, like there, there is consequence still, there is going to be like some bad shit that will happen. It's just that unfortunately it is confined to the settlements where you actually, by the way, can't see any of your friends, which I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick and tired of like trying to talk to an NPC and have like a friend of mine try to jump on top of the NPC's head, like you know that I'm talking to. It's it's super distracting and it's also a little immersion breaking. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, and 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 that's kind of the thing is like I think the solution that they came up with, where you know you experience the story at your own pace, is actually super elegant. I, I you know I can't tell you how many games I've played where I am so annoyed because like my co-op partner or something like that will just hit start and skip the cutscene that I want to watch just because they're so far ahead in the story. And I'd just be like, dude, what the hell, man? Like I was watching that cutscene, and it'll be like, Oh, sorry, man. I don't care about it. I'm like, you know, like this is, you know, like, the, like I play final fantasy 14 as well. And that game solution is, Hey, if this person hasn't seen the cutscene, everybody has to watch a cutscene and you can't skip it right and what and to be quite honest like that's also kind of a pain in the butt because i've already seen the cutscene 15 freaking million times i don't need to see it again so by confining those moments in the settlements and stuff i think is an elegant solution to a long-standing problem we all have where yes there's when you're playing this game there's going to be people who care about the story there's also a subset of people who could care less about the story and this is a good you know, kind He's of middle ground shooty, for that. Shooty, shooty, exactly. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think this game, even though it's not something that honestly I would probably get into and play, just because it's not the style of game that I tend to uh, gravitate to, but I still look at the value of a lot of the stuff that it goes, like the artistry that it comes into, the the mechanics that it does for this really unique, like third first person shooter slash you know, Iron Man mech fighter gameplay, and it, it's generating a lot of new things. The fact that even though we got something and they kind of described a lot of different things at E3, for the fact that people are kind of jumping ship with, you know, the creator already, I think those are type of people that really aren't true fans to it. They may not see it right now, but the issue is, is they're jumping ship before they're still getting a full story. They're right. still, before they know the full game, before anything is going out, they're like, nope, that doesn't look familiar. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a load of shit. You, you, if you're, if you're diehard to that company, let them at least experiment and expand into something else. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But at least understand it before you fucking just go. I'm 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 gonna jump ship and say fuck them. We need we need to start letting companies do things like create new IPs, especially mm-hmm. thing like we wouldn't have gotten Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. last year if it wasn't for new IPs. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like we 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 lock these companies into remaking the same game over and over and over again. I mean, just look at how many Assassin's Creed's there are just because Assassin's Creed was a good thing when it first came out. Well, mm-hmm. even Assassin's Creed is changing things up, though. Right. Now. They are now. Now. But that that's the point, though, is the fact that <coughs> it, 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 you, you either have two camps. Either the people who are like, don't change anything, the moment that they think something slightly is going to be changed, even though the company wants to expand on it, people jump ship because they're afraid of any kind of change. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other people who are so used to something that they're crying out for change. Right. The companies don't know where they're going to go because they're either going to lose player base on one side or they're going to lose it on the other because they're either going to 
change something or they're not going to change something. I mean, look at look at it this way. The biggest the biggest innovation in five games with Assassin's Creed was that they finally let the goddamn protagonist swim. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the biggest innovation in five games. Yeah. I, I actually, I can actually approach this in a very different perspective too, because this isn't really the, the only industry that's kind of had this problem, right? If you look at celebrities, they have this problem of getting typecast as, as well. You know, mm-hmm. you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was like basically an action hero for the longest time, right? And when, you know, when he was, you know, when they're talking about twins and stuff like that, people like were just like, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger in a goddamn comedy? There's no way that's going to work. And it exactly. turns out, to be like a really good thing because he has some range and and that's kind of like the problem that the industry the video game industry is kind of happening right now is that there are certain companies that are getting typecasted like i I don't know if you guys remember this because i'm a freaking old fart here but like back when uh naughty dog announced uncharted yeah you can't imagine how many people fucking hated the idea because they're like oh it's not jack and daxter this is gonna fucking suck and i'm like are you shitting me? You see how fucking awesome those graphics are and how that gameplay looks really solid? I mean, you're really hating on that? And of course, here we are now with The Last of Us and now everybody's onto like freaking Naughty Dog's bandwagon, right? Right. Well, that's it, because Naughty Dog can do no wrong. To, what right? you're trying to say, though, as far as the people not being true fans, the only reason why I'll dispute that is because when Anthem was initially announced, they had said a few different things as far as what they can expect for fans now i mean let's look at mass effect mass effect was different than what we've already seen bioware do what bioware's already established uh, as far as their universes are concerned with uh, dragon age and with Knights of the republic a lot mm-hmm. of people were afraid of mass effect but they still played because mm-hmm. they still believed in bioware so i really don't feel like that is so much the case versus this is what we're kind of leaning towards versus oh uh, no actually this is what we're doing now it's it, it was a slightly different vision that was first brought to everybody's attention in a previous e3 but the problem is is uh, this is where i'm going to shit on your example is basically you're still not waiting for a final project or final product to see the range of the company, right? Well, just because it's, a, it's, it's it's not the it, it's not the movie. Course. No, but uh, it, it's still it's not the movie that they're familiar with. It's not the game style that they're familiar with. So because expectations are different and they want to show the range and see what they can do and experiment, that's the point. Is the fact that people are jumping ship before they actually understand and know what's going on. But that's yeah. the moment that the, the with Mass Effect that happened with this because again, what they initially said it was gonna be. Or what they were going to do with it as far as, as far as certain aspects has changed. That's you what people also, are like, what the hell? You guys have got to also understand that the guy who originally created it left for Microsoft. Like, there is a huge gulf there where they literally didn't have any direction of what Anthem was going to be. It was only like when, you know, like, you know, um, Casey Hudson came back where he was actually able to focus that company and be like, hey, what the fuck are you guys doing while I was gone? You know, and probably was shocked enough to be like, no, this has to be this original vision of what it is. Because the that, cause the problem with talking about it in in these kinds of ways is that video game development is an iterative process. I actually worked on several video games, you know, like in, in QA and stuff. Like, and sometimes just things don't work out the way that you want them to. So you basically have to re, re, you know, to reinvent. Yeah. Here's, here's a great example, right? Um, I worked on Call of Duty three and you guys have your own opinions on that, et cetera, et cetera. 
I worked on that game not knowing whether the multiplayer for the PS2 and Xbox was actually going to be released at all for that for those versions. And we tested the shit out of that. Like we literally like played it to no end, but it kept crashing. The PS2 can handle it. The Xbox, the original Xbox can handle it. So we had this decision where we had to literally cut the multiplayer from those versions. And, you know, that's, and while that's just, you know, multiplayer or whatever and stuff like that, that's a huge chunk of that featurette, you know, like that's, that's something that other SKUs have. And that's the kind of mentality that these guys have when they're making games. So, you know, like another good example is Stardew Valley, right? Like, you know, that game is made by one guy, you know, for five years just by himself. And he literally like just kept questioning himself on a lot of design decisions. He almost turned it into five different gameplay, like games, game genres, excuse me. And it just wouldn't feel, you know, like Harvest Moon enough. Like, cause that's, he kept on thinking. So that's why I feel like it's kind of un- not constructive to talk about like, well, Anthem was supposed to be this. I'm like, do you really know? Cause were you there at the board meeting when they're talking about this game? Like they they would say things outside, but is that really, you know, like, is he in that authority to be able to talk about games that way? I, I don't think so. And then, which kind of goes back to what Mike was saying, like, so it's rather important. It's more important to kind of see like what they offer out the table as opposed to like all these like fancy ideas that they use to hype us with and stuff. Like it's really just, and, and I'm not trying to say like you should pay $60 to discover this yourself. That's what reviews are for, but right. you know, give them the benefit of the doubt before you judge them. And if well, they're successful, yeah. that's great. Well, my, my thing is this is going, going back to, to Anthony's comment about when mass effect came out. The reason why I got on the mass effect bandwagon was because I was actually interested in the setting whereas with anthem i'm like okay it's jungle planet and i get an iron man suit i'm kind of okay with that but I, I i worry about what they're setting it into and it's mainly because i'm i'm getting sick and tired of these pseudo mmos mm-hmm. like that is becoming like everybody's worried about the the battle royale genre taking over i'm more worried about the pseudo mmo genre taking over because that's been the big thing in the last 2 years like it, it's actually gotten bigger than the battle royale market well haven't you heard single player games are dead fuck that <laughs> fuck all of you i want my single player games i love my single player games no i was I'm, referring to ea having the balls to actually try and say that and i, I understand i'm god of war I, I'm just saying, fuck them. Yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of like one thing that I'm, you know, like for me personally, like Anthem is actually one of my most anticipated games. Like I feel like strongly that this is Bioware returning to form. I know that sounds like tall order and stuff, but I think it's going to surprise a lot of us. Well, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. I'm I'm hoping for that, but I'm not putting too much faith in my own hope. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, Mike and I are more likely going to jump on this. As a longstanding Bioware fan, again, I have my concerns. There's certain things I'm not happy about design-wise, but I'm Mm -hmm. still going to buy this game because, one, it is still Bioware, and it still looks interesting because there's... Uh, I'm a huge fan of Lost Planet. A lot of the aspects of this remind me of Lost Planet. Mm -hmm. And also just because I'm willing to give it a chance. Yeah, I my prediction is, and, you know, kind of going into the lore of the game, and I know this is kind of way too much, but like the Anthem of Creation, I, you know, I had this like weird vision where because they have something called the Anthem Creation, they can literally just pop up a biome out of nowhere, like a desert biome or some shit like that, just because they literally have something that could terraform the entire freaking planet. I mean, no, I, I, they have a MacGuffin. 
Yes. I, no, no, I, I have, I, I pretty much went, when I heard the same thing, I, I thought around the same thing is basically this is, this is definitely a expandable universe because of the fact that you have something called the Anthem of Creation. Yep. You can go into new worlds, new zones, new realms because of the fact that you have what they've returned to as a device that literally creates something new, creates all this life and everything like that. I'm all like, wow, for a game that I'm never going to play, it has a really cool <laughs> fucking concept. Yeah, MacGuffin. For, yeah. <laughs> well, again, it's just not the style of game that I, I like. I'm I'm pretty boring because I like my, my RPGs and, and stuff like that. I still think that it has a lot of promise. I think that it still has huge ability to or possibility to grow if they do it right. Yeah. I, I'm not saying they will. I'm I'm saying that there's the possibility, just like any company does, but that they have at least a groundwork to make that so. Yeah. And speaking I- of uh, RPGs. Actually, I'll mm-hmm. let you go, uh, finish it off, uh, Alex, if you wanted to add something. To, uh, oh, yeah, yeah just one last thing. Yeah, just one last thing. Like, basically, like, I'm hoping that we see the story and how they're going to handle that at Gamescom. Because right. they, they keep saying that the re- the reception of Anthem has been spectacular by everybody. And so far, everybody's kind of, like, gawking at the whole combat system, saying that, quote-unquote, Bioware got combat right in this one, which I'm really excited about. So the next part of this scenario is progression story and character development what if they nail that i'm full in yeah that's great uh to what we're saying about uh, what you said john as far as single player rpgs though mm-hmm. cyberpunk 2077 we have cd project red becoming pretty much the the new bioware as far yep. as uh dynamic uh story and character driven uh, gameplay. <laughs> Let's yeah, just I, hope they do cars better than they do horses. I just want to add one thing because, you know, I think Mike mentioned this earlier about, like, how people were pissed off that you know, Bioware's trying to do something new. This game had a lot of flack when everybody heard that it was first person. You guys hear about that? Oh, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people that are still, at, uh, like, hoping that there's going to be a post-game patch that allows you to do a third person. Yeah, they said that's not happening. It definitely seems like a game that should be in third person. I understand kind of the gripe that that it would be uh, being in first person for... Because this is something that, like, I've seen not just now coming out as, like, a video game and stuff like that. Uh, We've been familiar... I I haven't played, but I am at least familiar with uh, the cyberpunk um, tabletop game and stuff like that. Uh, no, actually, I did. I played a, a, a. It was supposed to be a longer campaign, but it got cut shorter than it was. And this was probably about a, a year or two ago. But um, just kind of the 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 story, kind of what's going on. It, th- this game was kind of a <laughs> an opening for for people who have are familiar with the story, familiar with kind of like setting. a tabletop setting, mm-hmm. familiar with what's going on. So it, it was. I thought. Even with the commercials that they used to have before, before they the actually initial, that, that initial teaser with the the cyborg, the, the cyborg, and the, and the, the exactly the all the cops the around and everything like that. Again, it was one of those things that really shows that the technology nowadays, how they can do a cinematic scene, mm-hmm. it can be really spot on and artistically beautiful. And, and this is one of those things. Like as far as CD Projekt Red doing this is concerned, I'm not worried. Like Me if too. I was gonna, if I was going to hand the the reins to a completely unique setting like Cyberpunk to any game company, I would probably do it to CD Projekt Red. Because yeah. 
To be fair, the Witcher franchise is something that yes, they're familiar with. That is that is something they have done right. Aside from horse riding, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they they did so well with it that I I I think that they they can handle anything that comes their way, and except for horses. To, Except for horses. <laughs> and that's one of the things. I am really worried about car driving in this game just because of how bad horses handled in, in, in Witcher. Oh, my God. That'll be the only thing that's third person. <laughs> yeah, you, you, get, you get in your car and now you're in third person. Now you're in third person. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I heard that the uh, driving is at least in third person at least. Like, I, I don't know. Like, again, this is like something that's, you know, just – people talking and stuff like this is not an actual fact that I've confirmed. Cause I actually made a video of like everything that I heard about cyberpunk and you know, the developers actually talked about like why they set the, you know, the perspective as first person. And the reason why they actually did it that way is because the world isn't really traditionally wide as we've come to know most open world games it's actually more vertical and if you think about like you know cyberscapes and buildings in a cyberspace kind of universe and stuff yeah of course they're going to be taller they're going to be like you know like um oh man blade runner and stuff like that you know like and and there's a lot more increased density in that verticality and so they want you to literally feel like you're the smallest most puniest person in the fucking world when you look up at those skyscrapers and be like oh shit i have to go through that you know and that's the kind of feeling they're trying to evoke and unfortunately yeah in a third person environment like camera that just doesn't come across I don't know. That's why with a dystopian world like that, you have to have it in first person. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say to that point, it completely makes sense because from what I'm familiar with, with the tabletop version, because of the different classes and different scenarios that it is, you have more than just the single plane of world. You Mm -hmm. also have cyberspace. So to do that, you, to make yourself not just feel small in the realm of, uh, you know, the physical realm, Mm -hmm. you also have to basically, be apart from yourself for when you go and if they do decide to put into something where you have to go into a cyber world because that right. is something about cyberpunk. It's not just that physical world. There's also cyberjackers and mm-hmm. kind of how those things play a part. I'm interested to find out how they're going to introduce or play off of what people are familiar with from tabletop being those types of classes or those skills that might be able to meld into the character for you to do a lot of different things because that's the game the game has a lot of different possibilities that involves the technology and wizardry and stuff like that well my my biggest my biggest disappointment I, and this is this is a far cry from an actual disappointment because I know how CD Projekt Red does their narrative. My biggest disappointment was the fact that there's no character creation, there's no alternate character to play. You you're playing as one dude, at least as far as we've gotten so no, no, far. No, no, they no, can no, play they're... as a dude or a chick, and they're yep. fully customizable. Yes. Oh, oh. they are because so I, I, I I had heard that it was you play as you you play as one set narrative. But mm-hmm. if the, if there's if there's actual character creation, then I'm I'm less disappointed now. Guys, well, that's guys. why I made the joke about them being the new Bioware because yeah. the fact that you have full on um, custom customizability and, and romances, in, uh, in, in depth story, story and right. dialogue. Guys, well, well, 
CD Projekt Red knows how to do romances too, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm just saying, guys, if you guys watched my video on my channel, you would be well prepared for this discussion because I can totally blow this open to you guys right now. Like you can you have your own apartment. You can literally have one night stands in your apartment. That's something that's, you know, been confirmed. You can buy different settlements. You can have more than one kind of car. You can even have possibly like a hover jet and whatever. You know, like there's so many there's so much information for not seeing the actual gameplay of the game that. You know, like, honestly, this is the other the other game that I'm actually really excited about because, like, I joked a long time ago that CD Projekt Red's, you know, like, you know, really likes Bioware. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but, like, you know, the first Witcher was actually running on the Aurora engine, which ran Neverwinter Nights. And they've used Bioware as kind of like this pattern for any of their future titles in some way. That was, like, their inspiration because they'd worked with them so much. And of course, you know, when the announcement of Cyberpunk 2077 came out, I was like joking around and saying like, well, guys, this is going to be like CD Projekt Red's Mass Effect and stuff. Kind of like similar to like how yeah. Anthony just said that this is the yeah. next Bioware, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Actually, did you guys see the secret image that was in the trailer where they're mm-hmm. taking jabs at uh, at people for microtransactions and yeah. stuff yeah. like that? You got to love it when they kinda can, can get those in there. So, I mean, yeah. they're definitely, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, post-game support like we've already seen with uh witcher 3 they're still pushing the whole hey you know if we're gonna have you pay for something you're basically gonna get pretty much almost an entire other game inside mm-hmm. of a game otherwise you know we're gonna continue to support this for free mm-hmm. I, I do like that even though it's a different world and stuff like that it still feels distinctly cd project red right like when they announced like that the game doesn't isn't going to have like a class based system like the pen and paper so it's a lot more fluid like the Witcher 3 i was like wow that's very much like the Witcher 3 that's kind of pretty impressive and also the biggest concern people had which is the first person uh, like camera angle and stuff perspective it, it is valid to a degree but one thing that CD Project Red said was that they want to make this game you know, like accessible even for people who aren't pros at first person shooters. So it's kind of like this idea of, if you remember the VAT system from Fallout 3, where they introduced that system for people who aren't good at that genre, right? They're literally iterating on that tenfold in this game. So a really good example of this kind of system, like to make it more, you know, helpful for first person uh, players and stuff is there's this system where you can literally ricochet bullets off of a wall and you can see the trajectory of like how it bounces off a wall, like at when you, before you shoot it. So you can, you know, basically making shooting around corners a bit easier, for example, you know, or it's, it, there's just so much stuff that I wish we saw in gameplay that right now reading up on these things don't make sense on how they gel together. You know what I mean? It's a wacky world, and honestly, I think that it, Cyberpunk, just like it, it is, the fact that it was so you know anticipated to watch and finally get some a little bit more for it. Um, even though, again, it, it's it's still I think sh- just scraping uh, the edge of uh, what their world is going to be. Just, just um, like Death Stranding, we're barely getting a game here. But oh I am not talking about that game. I am so disinterested. <laughs> oh, I am so disinterested in that fucking game. I'm done. Like in the very beginning, it was just like, hey, this shit's fucking wonky. And then we get the trailer at E3 and it's just like, no, I actually don't want to play this game. I don't want to see this game. 
It's I don't dead want to hear to me. about it. It's dead to me. I, I don't want to see it, hear about it, talk about <laughs> sorry, it. I'm done. John, sorry, John. Is it death <laughs> stranding you to death? Ah. You know what, Alex? I'm going to find you and beat you. <laughs> 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 You've officially joined the club. You're an asshole now. <laughs> <laughs> You've joined the list. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, speaking about assholes, okay. Everyone can have fun with being an asshole in Smash Brothers. The fact that this game came out in the nice fact that- segue, John. Oh God, yes, <laughs> I am a master at Smash Segway. So, <laughs> okay, so Super Smash Brothers um, Ultimate ha- was uh, you know kind of unveiled. And what I find awesome about this one, playing on a good platform, the the how they find or what they finally done compared to. Kind of the Nintendo uh, U, uh, the Wii U, to going now to the Switch. The Switch, first off, is a great system. Um, I'm, I'm like, I have friends who have it. I've seen a lot of gameplay with it. I've seen a lot of other things. Uh, Smash is making me inch towards more and more trying to scrape together the finite cash that I can to actually get this system. S- Switch is my Christmas present this year. Exactly. I don't care. I'm figuring out a way. I don't have a Switch yet, and that's horrible. Yeah. When it Switch came out, I was pissed that I didn't get one yet. <laughs> wow. Okay. It, it came out. Like, it, it came out at the worst possible time because it came out like right after I had already made like lists for stuff that I wanted to get. For you know, he had to ask Santa. Yeah, yeah that's how it works for me. <laughs> no, what it really comes down to is the fact that I had to prioritize just the you know entertainment system of the PlayStation versus the you know life sucking fun that would come out of a Switch. Which, by the way, Breath of Wild, I love that. I'm gonna get that game when when I finally get a Switch, and then of course Smash Brothers. But no Mario Smash, Odyssey. You know what? I'm. On the fence with Odyssey. I really what? am. I really am. I know that's strange to hear. Especially but... coming from you, because you played a shit ton of Super Mario Sunshine. No, I didn't. I thought you... Or was no. it Galaxy? Which one did you play the crap out of? I, I know you played the crap out of one of them. Uh, Super Mario World. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's really not the same. <laughs> no, it's not the same at all. Uh, I think what you're thinking of is I played the crap out of Mario and Super Smash Brothers. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, uh, with this, I think it's really cool that you're going to have such an expansive list of characters. They uh, Mortal Kombat 3 this bitch, and I love they, it. <laughs> they went crazy. They said every character that you've seen in a Smash, that's in there. And you know what? We're We're at, like... 60 plus characters. I think they already said at least 63, 64. And they, they were basically hinting at, wait, there's more. But they couldn't, they didn't want to confirm anything. I don't think we were talking, I don't think this is a Mortal Kombat 3 situation. I think this is a Mortal Kombat trilogy situation where yeah. everybody is in there, including the freaking bosses. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm waiting to see Joel from Last of Us to show up in Smash Brothers yeah. just for some <laughs> random reason. No, I can't wait to finally play um, the freaking. I mean, we hands. got Cloud, so Magic at hand. this point, like, why not? No, why I not know. said Joel from Last of Us, you yeah. know? Or yeah. Ellie at this point. Fuck it. Yeah. We're just going to add everybody. It right. is. They're going to add so many different people. The fact that they have like three different types of links. They still have a crap ton of Pokemon. They have every single they character. They have like six different seen. Fire Emblem characters at this point. They do. do. appreciate that Waluigi sacrificed his own life so that way <laughs> San from Undertale would not get added to this game. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, did you see that meme? 
Whereas Hanna-Barbera and he shoots uh, Warigi, Warluigi <laughs> and he's just like, game is complete. <laughs> just like, all right, there you go. My he, he's not going to make it. My contribution to this conversation is the fact that everybody is just upset about how they nerfed Solid Snake's butt and everybody else's butt in this entire game. Oh, <laughs> they, they, I heard they did a lot of work on just balancing. They, it's nothing. I, I heard That's they, what you they, call they, it, they, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I just heard they shrunk everybody's butts. I, I yeah. wasn't sure what he was talking uh, about. I was like, they, they, they shrunk they, everything. Apparently, they they did a lot of transition for this game. The fact that there are certain things that are going to be able to be done in mid air now, like that, a lot of people for for the game. Oh, then Peach is going to win. Yeah, Peach is going to win because her <laughs> flying butt trick. The one hopefully didn't shrink that, but you can dodge now in mid air. If you're a Samus player, you're going to be able to charge now in mid air because that was something that they were like, why can Mewtwo and Lucario do it, but Samus can't like what the hell so they, they added a lot of aspects that gamers were crying out for beforehand in a lot of either competitive play or, or casual play to make the game kind of a little bit more smooth and yes they did do some quote-unquote balancing from what they've said Meta we'll Knight see. is still banned yeah. <laughs> no, I love honestly, that Sakurai in the yeah. Nintendo Direct was literally was like, "All right, I did everything you guys asked me to do. Now leave me alone. That's all yeah. you get." <laughs> I felt that Nintendo was really trying to push that game that you were talking about earlier, the the paint game, Splatoon. Yeah, Splatoon. Like they're really trying. They the, uh, they added from, they added the Splatoon kids to yeah. They added the they to, added that. They mm-hmm. added items from Splatoon and they add. But I understand that when you have a new franchise like that, that they really want to push that and really did, welcome. Did it they finally it. get rid? Did they finally get rid of the the uh, Nintendo Blaster? And no, is it from now going to be replaced with the Splatoon gun? No, from what I understand, the Splatoon gun is in. Yeah. The game. And apparently they, they worked something, uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a second, but they added a lot of the weapons from before. They have new ones. They, but it just felt like in their presentation, they were really trying to drive home that they added Splatoon in well, everything. Cause, Cause the thing is, is Nintendo, Nintendo is still reeling in the, in the department of indie developers. Yeah. They really are. Microsoft got a crap ton of them. Sony got a crap ton of them. Nintendo has the guys that made Splatoon. Mm-hmm. And as far as indie developers go, that's it. Uh-huh. That's the, that, that's their, that's their bread and butter when it comes to indie developers. And I, I was going to say something else that was also really kind of crazy about this game is, I don't know, we're, we're going to see how it really takes off, um, with, with people who play it because there was a feature that I found very interesting about this, which is, uh, how they dealt with damage. And mm-hmm. when they said it's a multi-party, uh, you know, uh, when they have a multitude of characters that are going to be in the mass brawl, your damage is kind of, it's fine, it's regular. But when it finally gets down to, or if you only play as a 1v1 brawl, damage actually increases over time. So it and scales. It, helps, it yeah. scales, and it, it's supposed to help, as they described it, as basically that pacing of the game. Because they're like, you know, some people will go in there and it's 1v1 and it's a regular combat. But when you have a multitude of um, players in there, you know, you're going to be taking a lot more damage anyways. So with that scaling on a 1v1 level, it helps the pacing of the game. My, my, my issue with that is then then you have to start worry, worrying about, like, okay, what about comeback mechanics? What about, you know, is this going to be a one-sided match the entire time? No, but that, uh, I, I look at it this way. With the fact that they're changing things to dodge... Okay, you can do mid-air dodges now, yeah. and you can do directional dodge. So it's no longer just you dodge in place, okay? 
Um, but you can actually do directional dodge. You can the 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 scaling for damage increases on a one v one. I think Super that, Smash Brother Dark Souls. Okay, yeah. I got you. <laughs> I, I just I just have a feeling with directional dodge that they're trying to almost bring back the wave mechanic. Oh yeah, the from wave the the old melee system. So yeah. I'm like, whoa. Um, it seems like I'm the only one who was really enthusiastic about this game. <laughs> So, <laughs> no, it, so we thing. might be able to move on. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I love Smash Brothers. I just don't know how and how, like to me, it's just like okay, they're coming out with another Mario Party game. Yay! Look, like look, it's look. gonna be fun. I'm gonna but have fun with it. But the thing is, though, Smash Brothers is still com- played competitively for like all of its I- iterations. So that that's why it's kind of like a big thing. Whenever any of you guys want to get nine hammered, just let me know. No. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I- my takeaway from this announcement for Nintendo and actually even their their action and behavior of spending 30 minutes on this freaking presentation is that Smash Brothers is their tentpole title of the year, right? Mm-hmm. You look at, you know, and, and that's kind of really sad for a lot of people who just don't care about Smash Brothers anyway, right? Like, that's Met- the few of you. I guess it's the few of us, apparently. <laughs> but, like, as far as Metroid Prime goes, like, people were kind of disappointed that we didn't see that one. The Yoshi game that they announced that's coming this year is now next year. The Pikmin game that seems to be in development hell forever. It's still not here. So it's... But what I'm getting at here is that it's really difficult to stomach the news that this is their tentpole title after a fantastic 2017, you got a Zelda, you got a Splatoon, you got ARMS, a new IP that's not in Smash, by the way, uh, and Mario and Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's, you can't beat that year. And I feel and like- And they Nintendo, got Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess there's that too. And Overcooked <laughs> might as well, right? Yeah. Um, and really, like, it's tough to top that. And I feel like Nintendo's kind of reeling in this, you know, like mode where they're like, okay, we just blew our load last year. Now we have to follow it up with something, right? Oh, I guess Smash. People care about Smash, right? And Mario Party, Mario, yes, Mario Party. Let's freaking yeah. do that. You know, <laughs> well, it, but it, it, it's also been a big thing with with Nintendo as an entity to really only present things that they they have work done on. Like they're not they're not going to pull a Bethesda. They're not going to just you know we made a logo for. For Elder Scrolls Six, they're not going to do that shit to anybody. Right. Like, except they, they did not last how year. they roll. Yeah. Except they did that last year for Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I think that I, I, I really, I don't want to blame that on Nintendo. I want to blame that on the fan base. And that was that was one of those things. Like, that's not that's very out of Nintendo's characteristic to do. That's right. When in doubt, blame the blame the gamer. I mean, <laughs> it's not like we know what the fuck is going on or what right. we want. Oh yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> Never mind. Blame the gamer. I I, I, I didn't mean to. Me. I didn't mean to put a sarcastic tone on that. I apologize. <laughs> and, and, and you know, and the thing is too, like you know, seeing how you know, I mean, I'm really happy that Smash Brothers is coming. Like, don't don't get me wrong and stuff like that. I think it's an awesome game, especially for you know for a holiday release, right? That will sell switches. But yeah. like you know, I'm I, I go back to I go back to like Reggie's statement last year, especially when the Switch came out, where they said that. They've learned their lesson about the Wii U where they don't want to have any sort of droughts when it comes to games like from the first party not coming out. And yet here's 2017, uh, 2018 and we have a Smash Brothers and that's really the only notable release this right. year. 
And so who, who am I to believe? Like Reggie, who basically was trying to sell as many like switches last year or what's actually happening now? You know what I mean? Right. Well, it's, we are getting it's, Pokemon, it's weird. Pikachu, and Eevee, which I mean, I know a lot of people are like, okay, well, it's another Pokemon game. But I mean, we, we can't deny the influence and just the sheer amount of money that they made off of Pokemon Go. Yeah. And as much as uh, not a lot of people might not like that, it is pretty much a... a huge feature like they've taken a lot of pokemon go and put it into this new first time ever on consoles pokemon game yeah Yeah, they've already showed pretty much as much as i think they can right now which is why we really didn't get to see much of it at e3 i again it goes back to what mike was saying they don't want to like do too much to a project if it if it's hasn't it it hasn't gotten a lot of work done yet um and and the other thing is is you have to understand that with that you you have more than just nintendo involved um Mm -hmm. pokemon company as well as niantic getting involved in the let's go pokemon or the let's go pikachu and let's go eevee editions there's a lot of work Mm -hmm. um as all games do do, but this is one of those things like they're not just developing it in-house for them which is not something that nintendo's used to doing Right, because of the fact that they're including Niantic in the in the development process of this. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon Company is one of their in-house companies, but it's still right more than just Nintendo involved. I I, I wanted, I, I was gonna say, I wanted to let Alex say something before before I had something to say. But go ahead, Alex. <laughs> okay, like I, I I understand all these, and I think these are valid examples of you know like games that are coming in and stuff like that to be excited about. It's just that I don't want this to be another Wii U, right? Where the Wii U release was freaking awesome, bells and whistles, fireworks everywhere, and then all of a sudden a drought of right. first party, right? Because this, because remember, like Reggie literally said last year, they will not commit the same mistake as they did with the Wii U, where they let like a shit ton of time pass, and there's no games from Nintendo. Which and is yeah. hilarious because they did the same exact thing with the Wii when the Wii U was coming out. They're like, we understand the mistakes we made with the Wii. We will not do it with the Wii U. And exactly. Just, and they did it again. And, it, and even last year when he said these words, he even literally made an example said like yeah we've reorganized our kyoto teams we're working with a lot of you know like second party companies to deliver a lot more games at a more consistent fashion consistent being the key word and then 2018 is here so okay so are we are we learning from this that when game companies say that they've learned or that they did something or anything like that that it's basically the same cycle of events because people have short attention spans. Also, you have to realize they they did double up. They went from just having intelligent systems to also having the guys that make Splatoon. I don't know that company name, but they have two now. Yeah, <laughs> they have the guys sure. that make Fire Emblem and the guys that make Splatoon. Right, right. <laughs> so, but what, what I was gonna kind of say, since since obviously the feeling in the room is that Nintendo kind of. Um, Put it all out there, if you will, with um, Smash Brothers, another company. Uh, obviously, when when people saw Sony's presentation, every there's a lot of people that literally thought when they put out Last of Us Two at the first thing, since that was their first part of their presentation, that they were like, not just Sony, holy crap, you're winning this. Two. I can't believe you fucking started with this because <laughs> you're supposed to build up to it, not yeah. just give me a climax and then go, all right, ride this out for the rest of the fucking time, wave. Time to light you know? that cigarette, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much you're just kind of laying there in bed like, oh my god, this was great. That was I don't great, even right? know what's going on, but <laughs> fuck, Last of Us 2, god 
damn. <laughs> like, I, and you know, the, the thing is, is like, with them doing that from the get-go, I was like, wait, does Naughty Dog have a second presentation this right? year? Oh. <laughs> the, to tell you the truth, though, yes, I agree that um, Last of Us 2 was an amazing trailer. The seamless transitions between what they were doing, between the dialogue, the, I swear to God, if that's, that, it looks obviously like real-time everything yeah. you know what i mean even with their cinematics like everything was just so seamless and beautiful i, I think i almost had like a heart attack while i was <laughs> i was just like holy shit this is possible that that's the thing that they're they're getting into this this what what, I, what i'm going to call seamless cgi where with, with games like last of us 2 and with uh ghost of shishima you have this like oh my god I, all, like nearly perfect transition from the gameplay to the CGI, yeah. to the to the you know the 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 pre scripted elements of the game, where but, it's just it's so seamless, it's beautiful, it's but it's, it's not something even we just didn't that. imagine, you know, back when we had Final Fantasy VII. What 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 they've done for the actual action system, like what they do for the combat and the sneaking around and kind of you know gutting an enemy with a knife shaking like, a dude yeah. yeah dude like <laughs> it was it, it's like all beautifully seamless like i didn't even understand that like you 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 encounter or you basically guess that i'm okay, just so happy they fixed some of the stealth mechanics but yeah like <laughs> yeah well i don't know there was one part where they kind of went all the way out and the person was like straight up looking at that's her. that's what i mean by <laughs> fixed it yeah. dude. you don't understand how you don't understand how evil the ai used to yeah. be in the original oh, last okay because that, that, that's the thing though i was just like mm, that's the negative but uh, j- just the simple fact that it was it, the, everything to me just seemed so silky smooth, you know. Dude, it used to ah. it used to feel like if you crinkled a blade of grass the wrong way, that ever that everybody knew where you were right, in the right. in the last last in the original last of it. Um, that's kind of the thing, though, with, you know, with Naughty Dog and stuff. Like, you know, you guys probably have forgot, like, the Lost Legacy, like, last year and, you know, Uncharted 4 before that. Like, those are lookers, too, you know? Like, that's what I was saying when we initially brought up Last of Us 2 was the, like, Naughty Dog being that, 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 uh, that, they're that perfectionist, first party studio. basically. They're, they are perfectionists. Yeah. They they know the, the like when the weight shifts in a in, in a location that the person is going to shift, that their footing is going to change, that they're going to grab for a handrail, that they're going to you know bend a certain way, and they they build that into the 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 physics of the game, and it's just seamlessly beautiful and mm-hmm. just the transitions that Naughty Dog has done. I mean, I I have been a huge fan of the Uncharted series for as long as we've had an Uncharted I series. I was introduced to the Uncharted series because I stole your game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's actually how a lot of people were introduced to Uncharted. It was, <laughs> they stole your game? They stole yeah, my game. St- I, had, I have had three copies of Uncharted 1. Oh my god. And like two or, two or three copies of Uncharted 2 that just go missing... Because I have friends. <laughs> I returned it a few years later. Yeah, a few years later. <laughs> and then Carbone borrowed it, and I don't think I've seen it since. I borrow <laughs> with eventual intent to return. Exactly. I have my um, own copy, but I think I'm going to steal yours, so I can go ahead and introduce it to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure that we, you need a fourth. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's yeah. just what it comes down to. Just just like Skyrim, I need to buy it four yeah, times. Exactly. Um, so I, I want to kind of approach this in a very different way, because I, I know that we're no. really excited about... <laughs> the, like, we're all really excited about The Last of Us Part Two, but like I feel like there is a story behind the scenes that's being told. If you take the story of Uncharted 4... 
and the story of The Last of Us 2. Because I'm also really privy to like what happens in you know behind the scenes and stuff. And you know, if you look at Uncharted 4, it was directed by two people, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley. In The Last of Us 2, Bruce Straley is gone. And it's only Neil Druckmann that's actually really directing it and stuff. And if you look at the story of Uncharted 4, where literally it's like Drake, you know, like, you know, basically holstering his gun and really quitting forever and stuff. It almost felt to me that this is like that game was like Bruce Straley kind of like, you know, really kind of quitting the whole Uncharted thing because of, you know, how really obsessive people can be when it comes to game development. I mean, you know, when you read a, the book like that, uh, Jason Schreier actually read, uh, created, wrote, I'm sorry, called Blood, Sweat and Pixels. They have painstakingly talked about how they weren't supposed to be the directors of Uncharted 4 and they just kind of finagled into that project anyway, winding up this to be like this major two to three year project that they didn't even want to be a part of, ultimately resulting in Bruce Straley quitting the company, you know? And kind of going back to The Last of Us 2, it's kind of funny because in the back of my brain when I was seeing like the, the kissing scene in the trailer, I was kind of imagining those two people as not like lovers, but one being Neil Druckmann playing like Ellie and the other one being Bruce Straley. And I have this feeling, I don't know about you guys, that the, you know, the Bruce Straley girl, quote unquote, is going to fucking die. And that the reason why Ellie is so goddamn pissed off is that her lover slash best friend is gone in general. And right. so that's when I started thinking about him, like, is this Neil Druckmann just talking about how he's really upset that his best friend is no longer a part of Naughty Dog? This is kind of crazy to think about. That, that That's really deep because obvi- I, I felt like... Deep there were cuts, some, man. Deep yeah, cuts. No, like, obviously, I, I, I don't think I would have picked that up from behind the scenes type of thing. I could only look at the scene as what it was given to me and what uh, kind of me being just a uh, an onlooker um to break down the scene like i i see your correlation to it because i can see how the setup with the trailer with them like okay we're gonna wake up and go do this mission but obviously Mm -hmm. like hey this is all going on but then the real action scenes are going on so obviously shit hit the fan right the fact that you kind of can piece together that that backroom scenes and kind of like from the creator from the director to to pick that up is really cool Mm -hmm. yeah because if you think about like video game development right that's like a freaking 70 hour a week job of course there's going to be some parts of their personal lives and feelings that will just you know leak out and bleed into their work right and you know neil Druckmann strikes me as a guy who is literally that kind of person you know like where he literally affects his writing based off of like his personal feelings at the moment and that's why i just made that correlation because wow that's that this is not this is a weird ass coincidence and i don't yeah. know if anybody else sees it that way you know no, no, you heard it actually... here first on ready comics roll absolutely right because we see that in a lot of different mediums when it even comes to comics or movies you always see or harman with Ma- with rick and morty yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true but yeah you, that's what you have is because you, you're so passionate about a project you're so involved in it that a piece of yourself it manages to make its way into it so i think that's really great that you highlighted that and no no i don't think any of us can honestly say that we saw that in that moment yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and i'll i'll add this little tidbit which because i i felt this was actually really fascinating because i i've been i read a lot of audiobooks about games and um i don't know if you guys know this but 
Cliff Lezinski, the guy who made, you know, well, mm-hmm. I guess Lawbreakers and Gears of War. I guess there's that. We'll just remember um, Gears of War. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, when he was making Gears 2, um, specifically, like, you know, when he was making, like, some of the vehicles in the game, he subconsciously made those tanks look all very similar to the tanks in Blaster Master because when, you know, like, when he was young, his dad died when he was playing through Blaster Master. And he never touched a game after his dad passed away. In fact, he actually has said publicly that Gears of War 1 is a story about him and his dad. And the fact that he never even noticed, you know, in Gears of War 2, that he was subliminally building these tanks to look like the Blaster Master vehicles until somebody else told him about it. He was, like, actually really surprised that that happened. So it's, you know, I I get a lot into, like, the the behind-the-scenes of games and stuff, and I just thought I wanted to share this because, you know, this was... You know, nobody sees Gears of War as a touching father, you know, like son story, but for Cliff Blazinski is a very deeply personal project for, you know, that nobody will think about. Yeah. Until now. Yeah. Until now. <laughs> Till now. Now, now, uh, I, I kind of wanted to transition pace. Um, so, cause I think we're, we're probably going to be rounding this up a little bit shortly, but, um, I wanted to kind of put this out there and check. Um, what everyone's probably top three, either, you know, biggest announcements or what gameplay or anything like that, that they, that they really got into for this, uh, E3. Um, Alex, did you even want to start that off? Um, I, uh, sure, I can do that. I mean, my list is not going to be like, you know, like in any order whatsoever. And probably people already know, like some of these are already coming out. Um, the first game that I want to talk about and bring to light is Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. Because I'm nice. a huge Fist of the North Star fan. And Nani? also, <laughs> and, and you know, like, I'm, I'm a huge Yakuza fan as well. Like, I have all, you know, seven of the games that, like, in the main series and stuff. And I also cover that on my channel. So when they announced that Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise was coming out here, I was like, Heck yeah. You know, you're already dead, my friend, you know, that sort of situation. Cause, um, like what a lot of people don't know about the Yakuza series maybe is that it's going to have a serious storyline as serious as Fist in the North Star is going to have, but it's going to have some ridiculous shit there. Like, for example, there's going to be like a rhythm based, like chiropractic therapy session where you have to basically do like, you know, DDR type shit, like on a, on a control pad, you get to run your own nightclub. I mean, who would have thought that Kinshiro would be running a freaking nightclub in Fist of the North Star? I sure right. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's the kookiness of Yakuza kind of bleeding into that IP. And so I'm just immediately excited about that. Um, and, you know, just as we're going on, I'm probably going to pick games that we haven't talked about so that that way, you know, there's variety. Um, the other game I'm excited about is actually Rage 2. And to be quite honest, like, I think this is going to be this interesting blend of, you know, Doom, Skyrim, and, you know, man, I don't even know what would, you know, what I would compare that game to because it's, it's just, I really think it's going to blow people away. I think it will be a great intermediary to play, you know, up until, you know, Doom Eternal comes out, you know, and I think it's going to be really fantastic. It's going to be crazy fun. Um, and then I guess my, the last game that I want to kind of bring attention to, um, that's coming out is, hmm, I'm, I'm like percolating in my head here. Right. Um, let's see. 
I think Yakuza Kiwami. I know, like, I mentioned a Yakuza-style game and stuff like that. Yakuza Kiwami 2 is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. I mean, it's... I haven't... I have the PS2 game for Yakuza 2, just to kind of give you an idea of how old that freaking series is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just... You know, it's going to be a lot better of an experience for everybody who wants to try the, uh, you know, the series out, you know, and actually be able to play it from beginning to end. Because, yeah, because one announcement that they just did recently is that you can, you know, by the end of maybe, you know, the next few years, the entire Yakuza series is going to be on PS4, you know, because they're actually porting 3, 4, and 5 onto the PS4 as well. And I'll just kind of insert this in there because I want people to kind of know my range, I guess. And we talked about RPGs earlier. I am super excited about Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. Like, that is, like, I am a huge fan of Tales of Vesperia. This is not just a, you know, port of the Xbox 360 version. This is a port of the PS3 version that we never got in the United States, which has its own storyline. It has a new playable character that... You know, they teased it was going to be part of your party in the original game, but now they're actually going to be part of the party this time around. And a whole bunch of other changes that just make this really, you know, truly the definitive definitive edition. Jesus Christ. Words, dude, they're complicated. I know. So, yeah, (laughs) technically three, but actually four. There you go. There you go. No, absolutely. That's great. Um, Anthony, Anthony, why don't, why don't you go next? Uh, I would have to say uh, it would be really hard to put it in any kind of real order because there's just so much that I've seen. I, I was not whelmed. I was not maybe overwhelmed, but it was definitely close to that level. Yeah. Uh, one of the games that was just announced, we actually got nothing more than just, hey, this is happening, is the announcement of Star Wars The Fallen Order. I, I, as a huge Star Wars fan, well, I mean, all, all of us pretty much are at one yeah. point or another, but mm-hmm. just to be able, like, the announcement of one respawn getting the license, yay, okay, it's still it's under the realm of EA, which is still a little frightening, but respawn, even with the first um, Titanfall, wasn't great storytelling-wise, but a lot of people... Unfortunately, due to the time it was released, did not give the chance to appreciate the story of Titanfall 2, which was very well written and very well received for the people who have played it. So I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with the Star Wars universe, especially when we have a story that's taking place between episodes 3 and 4. There's a lot of things that can be done. Huh? I I was just kind of like whispering. I don't know if that's going to be caught by by anybody on the recording, but I kind of know who's directing the game. Ooh. Oh wait! Can, can you share it, please? Please. Well, it's pub. It's it's public knowledge, but I don't think people can you know put two and two together. Um, if you look at this person's Wikipedia, it'll confirm it though. It's a uh, oh. it, the director is Stig Asmussen, the guy who directed God of War three. Oh, oh, that's what he did. Because no, I was reading the letter from him, but I was just trying to remember uh, what he, what work he did. You yeah, know? that's that's the last game that he worked on, and then he he went to respawn, and he's working on this game. Yeah. There you go. See. This is why this see this is the the insight that you bring, Alex. This is why we actually brought you on. That <laughs> <laughs> must stay. I don't Say know no. what I'm saying. That yeah, right. <laughs> to, make us, to make us look better. Yeah, right. Uh, bring some Spider-Man. kind of credibility to what we yeah, do. How how could I not be excited for Sonic? Insomniac knows how to make these crazy open world beat 'em up style adventure games and. All right, I'm not even a huge Batman fan, but I loved the uh, Batman Arkham. battle system. 
Yes, absolutely. And to see them work it, it makes so much sense for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And to see them use it just so well, it's like, this is probably the most excited I've been for a Marvel-based game since probably Web of Shadows. And I really just can't wait to see what more they're going to bring to the table. I'm already like super hyped to the point where I'm broke as hell. And I've already put half down for the collector's edition of Spider-Man. Wow. Yeah. But just even the story looks like it's amazing. We're seeing a lot of his rogues gallery, but we're also getting Mr. Negative, which is a, a newer villain, but a really good villain. So it's nice to see him play at least somewhat of a bigger role in the overall story of things. So the more I see this, the more excited I am. And I, I, it's definitely up there for something I, I really, really, really want to get my hands on like right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, wa- I want to butt in for a little bit, too, because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but mine, I actually worked on the original PlayStation Spider-Man game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Damn. It's, I, I, there's only five testers there. One of them's me. Damn. Yeah. Again, see, this is why we bring people like you <laughs> on for some kind of credibility for this half-ass show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Give yourself some more credit, dude. <laughs> okay. We're like, we're like we're three, three quarters. Quarters of it as, but but it kind of appreciate like, that. Thank you, but like yeah. I, this is why I kind of relate to Anthony because like for me, you know, I feel like I am like a torchbearer for like you know Spider Man games of old, right? And I'm like this, they better fucking nail Spider Man this time around, or I'm gonna go to like Insomniac and be like, what the frick, man? Like, there's, you know, don't mess this up. We it established was you on a silver platter. Exactly. Yeah. If you can imagine me, like, you know, it's it's like the, you know, when you pass over the Olympic torch, just imagine me with that torch, just handing it to Ted Price, like Insomniac be like, here, guys, take care of this baby. Love you yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And then for number three, I would have to say Days Gone, which is a surprise for me because I'm really kind of getting burnt out on post-apocalyptic zombie based games. But um, I'm a fan of almost anything the same what Word does as far as his a- acting. And he's been in some stinkers, but he's also been in some really good movies and even shows as well. Um, and even other games, I mean, such as, again, Star Wars, uh, Force Unleashed. We'll not talk about Force Unleashed 2, though. <laughs> but Days Gone, it seems like they're really trying to do something a little, at least a little bit more innovative in the realm of this whole zombie survival type scenario. And they're trying to tell a more deeply personal story and which is, I'm always a sucker for when it comes to a lot of different games. You think it's going to be a sleeper for next year? I believe it is. I absolutely agree. Did you, did you know that uh, bend Oregon's just eight hours from where I'm at? No. Yeah. So you're there just you go. Full of like, interesting <laughs> this fun is facts. Alex, <laughs> what the hell, man? I'm sorry. Am I commandeering <laughs> too much of the show? I mean, yeah. he's, he's deep in this, man. Yeah, I know. Jeez. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's funny because I actually tweeted Bend, like Sony Bend, and I'm like, you know, guys, I'm only like, I'm in Portland. I could drive over there at any time to check out, like, Days Gone. And they just laughed at me and told me, like, I can apply for QA. I'm like, fuck that. I want to play the game. Not the yeah. dude. <laughs> like, give me. <laughs> All right. And Mike, did you want uh, to go into yours? All right. So I'm going to I'm going to actually leave Spider-Man out of my list for because I want to keep the tradition of mentioning things that have not yet been mentioned thus far. Um, so my big one is is, is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice um, from from software is one of my, you know, fanboyisms. So I'm going to stick with them. Um, I'm, I'm not going to I'm I'm just not I it looks great. Um, 
I like the idea, even with them saying there's no RPG elements, even even them taking that away from the, the Soul series and doing something new, From Software has always been good at launching new IPs. From the get-go, that's what they... They're, they're, Bloodborne was amazing. The First Souls was amazing. Demon Souls was amazing. Some of their earlier stuff that was just... I, I, I can't even. <laughs> you know, um, let me let me cut in right... I'm sorry, I'm cutting it again. No, go ahead. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of interesting. Activision's came out, like right after you see From Software's. Immediate, and then I saw the gameplay. It immediately reminded me of Tenchu. Did you guys like mm-hmm. get that feeling? Yeah. Like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, it did. And, and that's, I mean, that's the one thing. Like, they're good at doing that return to form, but also doing something new. Now, my second one, I'm tentatively hyped. Is, is how I'm going to put this. Um, but Kingdom Hearts three, Kingdom Hearts three, because it's been so long since we've gotten a main entry Kingdom Hearts game. To be honest, I, I've, I've had such a hard time following the side stories. That, <laughs> to be honest, who has? Like, <laughs> I can name a few people on Twitter. I was going to say, so, I, I, yeah. Oh, people yeah. were waiting for this yeah. for quite a while. Yeah, so it's been one of those things, like, I, I didn't play a lot of the, the side stories. I've played a few of them, but it's one of those things, like, I picked up the remastered version uh, that they just released on PS4, where it's one, two, and some of the side stories, including all the CGs, CGIs from the side stories. You don't understand. I was waiting for this just so they can finish it because I need the people to start working on my Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> All right. That's why I wanted this to drop. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I'm, I'm with you on that Do too. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> In ten more years, we'll get we'll get the uh, yeah. Final Fantasy VII remake. Okay. Um, and my final one, which is what's going to kick Spider-Man off this list, because I really wanted to talk about Spider-Man, but I'm going to mention Hitman too. Mm, um, good one. The Dark Horse. Yes. Um, I like the Hitman series. I like the idea of them revitalizing the Hitman series. The 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 last one, which was purely a uh, like deal like uh, DLC uh, um, digital only. It was episodic, but it was digital only. The fact that this one's going to be a disc based game again, or you know, however you want to get it, you know, it's going to be available out there. The only thing that I'm disappointed about is so far. What they what I have seen of it, I and just be to be honest, I've seen more of this game than I have most of the other games that were coming out with E three. Um, it better. <laughs> I mean, it's coming out in November, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming out in November. So I mean, it to be honest, it's further along than seventy six is. I think. Um, <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> damn! Shots fired. No, <laughs> but I, I'm. I, I'm I'm hyped, but I'm also again tentatively hyped because it's one of those things like. Well, you're not happy that the briefcase is coming back. Come on, man. That's, yes, I'm so happy the briefcase is coming back, but there, like, I didn't see a lot of the disguise elements, and and that's probably because they were showing they were showcasing more of the multiplayer stuff. Where, okay, I've seen people snipe people before. I played a hell of a lot of the Sniper Elite games, so I'm used to that element. Right. But I, I wanted to see more of like the the you know Agent Forty Seven like take somebody out and then change into the the Milkman kind of thing. Like I wanted to see more of that stuff. I, um, think, that's, I think that's still there. And I, I have you? Oh, of well, course. First it's of all, be, but yeah, but first of all, have you pre, like have you pre ordered the game? 
at all? I have not yet. Hitman 2 is one of the ones that I, I was like, oh my god, it's coming out. So I'll wait. <laughs> but did you know that, you know, you do get that Hitman, like, sniper kind of game and stuff, which, you know, like, that for basically, like, right now, like, if you pre-order it? Okay, yeah, so yeah, the, the demo, the, 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 the really I should a- say the demo, it, the, the multiplayer game is actually out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually really impressive because I've actually been reading about that specific game for quite a while because I, I am a new onboarder to Hitman. Like, the episodic okay. series introduced me to it. But the biggest worry that a lot of people, including myself, had, especially with this multiplayer sniper game, was the, the fact that it wouldn't feel Hitman-y, you know? And in case people don't know what that is, it's the Rube Goldberg effect of having one affect the other, affect the yes. other, affect the other. And that's the magic of Hitman. The funny thing is, like, you know, one of the articles that I was reading, um, you know, obviously, like, they just went through, like, the sniper stuff and, you know, finished it. And then they went into, like, the goals, like, the challenges and stuff. And one of them was, for example, like, shoot the statue's head so that the head falls on top of your victim. And I was like, that's very Hitman. So, okay, I yeah. see where the Hitman is in the sniper game. And to me, like, that's reassuring because... That basically tells me that IO Interactive still knows their shit and they yeah. know their audience. And from what I can tell, like the way that they are building those specific sections are different than the way that they're building the single player. So it almost feels like an entirely different team is making that game. Well, there, there's even, there, there's even some things that I, I guess that aren't fully incorporated yet, but there's things like they want to make it to where there's, uh, there's the wedding level or whatever. Yeah. Um, they want it to where you can like shoot the 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 what is it? I, I want to say the, the the leg of the table, but the the single like I think banister of the table, the main chunk of the table. Uh, yeah. You can shoot that out and have the cake fall over on somebody yeah. and trap them underneath the cake so that they call for help, and then you can kind of like get people away from your target, and then have you know something else take out your target like a crane above head or That's you know brilliant. shoot out a window and have the glass come down and kill them. Right. Yeah. So okay. that's that's something that I'm like I'm really I I'm really psyched about how that game looks and how they what they want to do with it so far. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I I will round out the group. Uh, honestly, I I think this is in uh, ascending order. I I really that's kind of uh, I put a little bit of thought into this, especially sitting back and kind of hearing everyone else. Spider Man was gonna make my list, but I knew. Uh, Anthony was gonna take it, and, uh, especially since it confirmed and then talked about, cause Spider-Man looks amazing, and I, I can't wait for that game. Um, but I, I decided to go with something that I, I love, and it was more for, uh, the fact that I'm familiar with the games, and it, it just brings a warm feeling to my heart when I kind of play them, which was, uh, the Dragon Quest Eleven. Nice. Okay? I love Dragon Quest, I love, uh, RPGs, that's been my big thing that I've kind of always said on everything, uh, and, you you know, it, it, they're changing up a few things, but it's still very homely for, for everything that it is. I don't have much to say about everything, all except for the fact that it's great that it's kind of the release is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've gone in extensive lengths to talk about uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, well, at least I did. <laughs> i don't know if you guys realize that i was really psyched about that game or not but i am oh i don't know so, yeah <laughs> maybe. maybe maybe just a little bit but the thing that took the actual prize for me for e3 was actually ghost of uh 
Tsushima. Tsushima. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I'm terrible with the, the name of it. But, uh, with Sucker, Sucker Punch Productions, um, that, that game to me, it, what is kind of what stole the show for me. Uh, nice. I thought that the game, obviously seamless, beautiful, I like what they've kind of showed for the battle system where it's still, uh, you know, your, your live action, I don't want to say hack and slash, but obviously, you know, your, your combat system with that, uh, the, the fact very that very grounded combat it's a, it is a very grounded combat in in the the detail that they put into the combat such as when something goes through and you can actually catch a guy's arm and take off the guy's arm you know what i mean and the these are seamless like finishers as well so it's just i don't want to say overly brutal but it, it had very much a really cool samurai, you know, as it should feel to everything. This is yeah. Tenchu on crack. Yeah, dude, the, this I, game looks beautiful. I mean, I don't know if Tenchu would be the right word. I would be more inclined to describe it as Bushido Blade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, well, we were having that discussion earlier, too, on well, which one to actually refer to it as. You see some of the gameplay, such as, um, I mean, when you're looking at uh, the counter of Kanishu, which also, yes, like Bushido Blade. Um, but also when you're the utilization of the environment and tools right. and even just like the executions, like we actually see the moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to drop down on this person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and sw- slash the next person, like jump to the next person and slashed and over here, kill this person in an instant. That's what I mean by like Tenchu. Yeah, yeah. it seems like there's a lot of different influences. There, There is a lot of different influences, but I, and I think that the, the, from what we've seen, the system is really cool with, uh, mixing that fluidity of a, a a hack and slash, if you would, without kind of button mashing everything, but then still have certain triggers to where something cool will come off or, you know, a character is highlighted, a special move goes off or something like that to where it slows things down, that dynamic action. Um, so to, I'm psyched for it. I'm psyched for it. That's all I can say. Yeah, I definitely want to see a lot more of that game. And it, like, cause I'm the kind of person who is more, you know, concerned about interpersonal, you know, storytelling and stuff as opposed to plot based. And we know the plot. It's going to be like the Mongolian horde and all that stuff, but yeah. how it's going to affect person to person. That's what I want to see. Like, cause this has the potential to be like a really good IP, like oh, a absolutely. new IP. Yeah. In the, the, just the little bit that they show in, in kind of that story, like they gave you the overarching story, but then you're already introduced to a companion and then uh, the, the monk that you're trying to save. Like just these little things, you know, this story is going to have kind of these, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride. You're going to see so much. And if they create something to where it's very much decision based to where, like you were saying, you know, that interaction between different peoples to see where a story can grow uh, has the potential to open up a lot more. Right. Yeah. And it and I think they confirmed that there's no like good or evil track for this one. So this is that's kind of an interesting, you know, kind of move because of course the infamous games are all about that and now it's like no, it's just, you know, it's really nice open oh, world. No, never mind, never mind. Yep. I'm I'm yep. I'm going to jump bandwagon because uh that's something I don't I'm not familiar with. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
But I, I honestly, uh, I think that's going to kind of round out what we were discussing for, for E3. Um, on behalf of everyone with, uh, Ready Comics Roll, Alex, I, I really want to thank you for coming on and putting up with our shenanigans for the day. <laughs> and just the wealth uh, of knowledge and experience you've brought exactly. to the table too. Exactly. <laughs> you've actually brought, you, you've brought an, a, another level. We have level. facts. Yeah, we brought another, well, you brought a, a, another level of, um, credibility to the show that we may not have had for most of our episodes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, by all means, we really want to make sure that everyone who is listening uh, knows who you are and where they can follow you and kind of what you do and what projects you're working on. So, Absolutely. So, I mean, like, you know, have you guys probably heard over the past, you know, couple hours or so, I'm into a lot of co-op games and RPG games and even games that have RPG mechanics. Like, that's my jam, you know? Like, I play a lot of the co-op games with my wife. She's not on the channel, but, you know, that's where the co-op thing comes from, right? So, it, you know, if maybe you're you're interested in those kinds of games or Yakuza or Final Fantasy fourteen or Warframe, that sort of thing, like, you should check out my channel. It's youtube.com slash mybacklogbattle. And as far as, like, projects go, like, I mentioned earlier that I'm really into Warframe, and I think a lot more people should get into it and stuff. Uh, I'm going to be making, like, a quick start guide, like, literally quick. Like, we're talking, like, less than 10 minutes, because I noticed that a shit ton of people who make, like, getting started guides on Warframe take about 20 to 30 minutes. By the time I finish those or anybody, they probably don't want to play the game anymore because there's so much crap. But literally, like, I want people to get in, get into Warframe as fast as they can. It's going to be like a five to 10 minute video, literally everything you need to know just so that you know that you want to invest in it. That's coming in the next week or so. And I'm also passionate, like I said, about, you know, Yakuza series. I have guides where if you don't know, you know, what game to start with in the series, here's, you know, a little guide for it. Or even like Final Fantasy 14, which, you know, I keep saying that it's the best Final Fantasy story we, you know, that nobody's ever played just because it's an MMO. Like I have guides for those too, so that people can get into those. And other than that, I do have these things called hours later reviews. And what they are is they're, reviews that kind of come out a little bit later than most people, but you can basically like tell that this is coming from like a person who, you know, is really in tune with the community and the concerns that you guys have with games. And, you know, as demonstrated on the show, like I, I know, I think I know a little bit about video games and the goings on in the background. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little and, bit. Yeah. And of course, if you want to listen to a podcast where you know, basically like, you know, I'm just rambling about video games and stuff with my co-host Daniel. It's called the Backlog Battle Podcast. It's on Google Play. It's also on iTunes. It's also on Stitcher and, um, man, I almost said Overwatch, but Overcast. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the podcast player, which by the way, I recommend Overcast. It's fantastic. Um, it, it always comes out every Wednesday at 12 a.m. midnight. We have been going for four straight years now, by the way, and we have never missed a single week. And all of the episodes can be downloaded if you go to our website, My Backlog Battle. And finally, if you just want to shoot the shit and talk to me about video games and stuff, Twitter.com slash my backlog battle. There you go. It's everything is my backlog battle, my backlog battle.tv, youtube.com slash my backlog battle, twitter.com slash my backlog battle. And 
before I lose my freaking breath, thank you for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. I have so much fun. No, honestly, it's been a pleasure on our side. We really thank you for being on. And honestly, we're probably going to be linking all of uh, kind of what you just talked about below. Well, that might, on my backlog yeah. battle down in exactly. the description Exactly. We'll, we'll be posting that um, uh, on our description below just to make sure that, you know, everyone can kind of just click a link or in and head over to you um, for that. So, again, we really thank you. Um, we appreciate that. And I think that might actually roll us out for this episode. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and also ding that bell to be notified of future videos. If you're listening to this podcast on one of our many different providers, whether it be iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, or Stitcher, also be sure to check out our YouTube channel for a lot of other awesome content. Make sure you head over to any one of our social medias listed down below, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can keep in touch and follow us as this journey goes on. Head on over to our Discord channel so you can talk to other rollers and the crew about E3, other gaming events, everything that you're anticipating and hope for with what's going on in the gaming world. And speaking of games, don't forget to follow us over on Twitch, where I'll be live streaming hopefully this week because I feel better now. Also, if you'd like to see us grow, don't forget we have a Patreon. You can hop on over and become a patron today.